Hello everyone, we're back for another season of Brisbane Raw Football here on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam. This is the Raw's A-League side beginning. It's their 16th season and the Raw's W-League team is off their 13th. Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. Seems like the season just finished a couple of weeks ago. That was the local season. The junior year for the Raw and obviously the NPL is done. Adam? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, how are you boys? Oh, not too bad. Just, yeah, recovering from a marathon local season that oh. ran for, I think... By a thousand end, years. It was eight... That's what it felt like. No, it was ten and a half months from the first uh, game on February 1st, which was the Foundation Cup, through to the final All-Star game on Saturday night at Parc de Paris. Does this count against our uh, 16 days off? Let's let's just keep it uh, rolling, Adam. I, I don't <laughs> want to get into any workplace, workplace industrial relations disputes <laughs> here. If you are tuning in to the Brisbane Football Review for the first time, we're three... Raw fans who decided that there aren't enough podcasts in the world, so we're starting our own, and we are now in partnership with Football Nation Radio. Check out their app, website, live shows, podcast feed. We will be on that as well. So, however you're tuning in, glad to have you on board for season five of this show. I think. Yes, yeah, it's the fifth season. Time flies. Yeah, yeah. who would have thought? <laughs> anyway, yes. If you bet the under, unlucky. <laughs> Responsibly, of course. Um, yeah, so pretty much this is going to be our season preview shows condensed into one massive episode because for the first time in, I think, ever, the A and W League seasons will kick off at the same time. Yeah, um, it's an initiative of, uh, well, I was going to say FFA, but apparently they're no longer in charge. So and apparently someone, it's FA now. Yeah, and, oh, yes. So there have been plenty of changes if you haven't um, been keeping up with... Uh, with, with the league over the last few months, uh, the uh, governing boys got a new name and apparently they're no longer in charge of uh, those leagues. Unfortunately, one thing that cannot get a new name is our Facebook page. We are still there at the Raw Review. Oh, we oh. are still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Apparently, Facebook has some other stuff that they've been uh, working on for the last few months over in the Northern Hemisphere. No idea what it could have been. But, um, yeah, anyway. We don't get demonetised if we uh, mention the global thingamajiggy, do we? I don't think so, no. Okay, well, that, <laughs> that <laughs> thing. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Twitter, at BNE Football, that is Brisbane Football Review, where you'll find live coverage of all the Raw games this season, and when it eventually returns in about three weeks, the National <laughs> Premier League's campaign. No, 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 we're, 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 we're waiting until March for that. <laughs> I don't want to know about it right now. Yes, that's it. Either way, yes, three guys who watch far too much football will have some special guests coming up as the uh, season goes along and we've got a few very special guests planned for our season launch which was actually the second episode because our season launch was the Premier NPL finals previews I've confused myself what do you say we get into segment one yeah let's start talking about the Raw okay. no more mentions of the NPL for the rest of this show I can't promise anything especially when we go through the Raw's A-League signings <laughs> <laughs> yes so um, well if you are just tuning into the Raw again after their season ended back in August against Western United in the semi-finals? Yeah, uh, sometime in the hub. The finals. First week of the Elimination finals. Elimination final, that's what it was. 
Um, yeah, you missed a few developments with the Raw. Their Logan training base is now vacant, and the Raw are training down at Carrara on the Gold Coast, right near the Gold Coast Knights uh, ground. Yes, it's the Carrara Sports and Leisure Precinct, I think it's its official name. It's basically, if you know where the um, big stadium is down at Carrara, where they had the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, athletics and ceremonies, it's there. It's around the corner from Gold Coast Knights, as you mentioned, and it's the Raw's, I, I'm going to say, 10th training venue over the last few years, because it's had, had a fair few, but this is... There's been a lot of commentary on is this the right place for it or not. Really, it really looks like a good field when you see it, and that's all you need, really, James. Just need a good quality field that you can train and prepare for the games on. It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah, I was going to say for anyone, sort of, because a lot of the commentaries revolved around, oh, Brisbane Raw are no longer in Brisbane. Well, technically, they were in Brisbane when they were at Logan four years. But also, to, to a more finer point, would be how does Brisbane Raw training at the Gold Coast affect you as a fan? And as far as, you know, it's it's more of a symbolic thing that, you know, people seem to be going on about. You know, at the end of the day, as long as they show up and represent Brisbane, it doesn't matter where they train, really. Yeah, I've got a theory on that, which I will get to when we hit the second news story. <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, as long as they've got a good training ground with no potholes for anyone to roll their ankle in, we'll call that, you know, a victory. And as long as they've got the appropriate facilities as well. This does seem like it is going to be a temporary measure, though, before the team moves over to your part of the world, Adam. Yeah, the well, that's that's the uh, the talk, is that uh, eventually the, uh, the Royal Pro moved to um, Brendale, the uh, field's currently used by um, Morton Bay United. That is all rumour, but it sounds like that's what's going to happen if you ask mm. people off the record. That's obviously the new Royal... Um, Youth and women's facility being built up there. Another announcement over the off season. I can't remember if we even talked about that. We, I'm sure we, we probably did mentioned that point. at some point, but if not, there's going to be a new facility up there at South Pine Sports Park for youth games, along with the women's training and probably the A League training as well. Which is, which is at least get the team back closer to Brisbane. So people who are upset about that, they'll be back. They'll be back in a couple of years. Exactly. Except it's not Brisbane. Oh, don't start that again. <laughs> Morton Bay like Regional Council. Okay, and the thing that. The Raw-related off-season story that did get yeah. the most amount of vitriol online. Speaking of Morton Bay. Yeah, who, who, who would have thought that the internet might be a little bit harsh about certain things? I know, it's, it's bizarre. But, uh, yeah, the Raw will not be playing any games at Suncorp Stadium in the 2021 20, A-League season, or can we just call it the 21 A-League call season? Call it the 21 season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All home games for the A-League side will be at Dolphin Stadium. All home games for the W-League side will be split between Lions FC out at Richlands and Dolphin Stadium up in Redcliffe. So, look, I, I just want to get this out of the way first. I'm not overly fussed either way. Like, I would have much preferred to have seen a split between Suncorp Stadium and Dolphin yeah. Stadium. The games that we have been to up there have been excellent. And, look, let's be honest, I'm, I'm one of those crazy fans. I will go wherever they play, within reason, of course. But, yeah, I'm... I suppose I can't get too upset about it, considering the state of not only the Raw itself, but the A-League, where a lot of these clubs are basically just making decisions to try and get through this season and survive what has been the pandemic. Yeah, I think um, as well, I think you got got to look at from the um, from the point of view is that Suncorp Stadium, um, one of the chief complaints about that from the fans is that it's just no atmosphere. I mean, when you're tracking you know, six, 7,000 in a 52,000-seat stadium, it sounds pretty bad. You put, you put 7,000... Um, in a 10,500-seat stadium, it's going to look better. With that said, obviously, with Redcliffe being on one side of town, you're going to disadvantage a lot of you know, those who are travelling you know, from, from the south. That, you know, and look, I think it's one of those things where um, it's, it's going to take time to get used to. 
uh, at the end of the day, if, if you're if you're a diehard rules supporter, you know you're you're going to find a way. You may not go to every game, um, be, be it you know twelve. 12, you know, A-League games, three, three uh, women's games. And, um, yeah, but like, I guess the one thing as well is that, you know, if you're not going to go, at least watch on TV. Because I think you need, the, I think the Raw need the ratings, or at least, you know, Foxtel do. Absolutely. Well, that was actually what I was about to lead into there, Adam, saying, look, I'm not going to blame anyone for being irritated about it. Some of the yeah. people I've spoken to have said, look, I can make my peace with it for a year, maybe mm. two. If it's going to be a long-term thing, then yeah. less so. One of the people I actually spoke to. Uh, who actually moved to Milton so that he could just walk to Raw games and said, I'll make my peace for this year because, well, why not? But that's exactly it. Like, I'm not going to you know, say, oh, you're not a true fan if you don't go to every single possible game. But that's where you can also try and find an alternate way to do it. You know, check out KO for this year if you have to. Get Find a way to watch the Raw and basically help the A-League's TV TV ratings. Well, if they want better TV ratings, they can put together a better product on television. That's a story for another day. But I think when it comes to moving to Dolphin, I want to hear someone with a viable alternative. I'm yet to hear anybody yeah. give me an alternative that makes any sense. We know that yeah, Suncorp's a great central location for everybody. And the Raw have had some fantastic moments at that ground, not just in the finals, but in the regular season as well. And it is a bit of a shame not to see games there anymore, given the history and tradition of games being there. But the cost of it is just yeah. prohibitive in this in this time that we're living in. Not just not just with the obviously global pandemic and the financial issues going on, but also the A League in general. To Adam's point: the crowds have dropped down. It's not viable to play games at Suncorp and, and keep it even remotely close to being a break even, let alone a profit. So I do think this this move was kind of forecast 12 months ago when they moved three games or two games up to Dolphin Stadium. So this was already on the cards. And I do think yeah, it's very inconvenient. I'll speak as a Southside resident. It's not convenient up there at Dolphin. But to James's point, in the short term, it's going to have to be the way it is. I mean, maybe at some point in the future, this mythical stadium in Brisbane does happen and they can move back to within the city limits. But for now, this is the best possible alternative that the Raw have. And the games we have seen up there have been really, really good atmospheres up there, not just in the two league games last year, but the cup games are pretty good as well. I mean, I think if I think if the, I think the crowd will travel, I think the atmosphere will be quite good up there. And as a short to medium term fix, I don't think it's too much of a problem as long as it's not a long-term fix, which if it is, then if it's a long-term solution, then I think there's other questions to be asked down the road. But for the short term, it's not that big of a problem to me. Yeah, if we are still talking about this in, I'd say, two years, and, and there's no sign of it uh, looking any different, that's when I will start to say, okay, this is getting a bit ridiculous now. But for the time being, like when you look at some of the kickoff times, okay, it is going to be quite hot up there. It probably will be a little bit uncomfortable yeah. for the fans not in the um, shady, yeah. shaded section. I almost said the shady section. That's a different uh, section yeah, of the fan base. But, uh, <laughs> but overall, I yeah, you're going to go and make yeah. a day of it. Like my wife has said, oh yeah, I'll come to a few games and you know we'll go have lunch somewhere up at Redcliffe. Like there's plenty of things to do up there. Yeah, well, and look, um, two, two points to that. Um, well, as far as Redcliffe goes, you know. But, Without sounding like the um, the tourism minister of um, of the Morton Bay Regional then Council, then does <laughs> that? Yeah, look, and, and that's the thing is, is that you know I think it's a case of you know maybe maybe sort of I guess you know more the families and whatnot they need to look at, at more of a day trip rather than just oh going to a football game. But look, the one thing that sort of concerns me is that sort of almost the in some fans that they'd almost prefer for their own sort of entitlement that they'd prefer the raw pretty much lose money hand over hit fits completely. Just so the Raw plays at Suncorp Stadium, like it's just it's just like I said, as much as you know, we look at you know the Raw and sporting teams as a sports club, 
They're also a business. And no one can justify losing the amount of money that the Raw has lost over the past few years um, at Suncorp Stadium. You know, we, ha- we had an election where, you know, that things could have been changed, at least, you know, change of government as far as the force, you know, you know um, stadiums Queensland to at least, you know, do a, you know, a better deal for the Raw, but that didn't come. So what do you expect the Raw to do? It's just, it's just one of those things where, you know what, the Raw can't afford just to keep on losing money. The, the league as a whole is losing enough money as it is. Like, or would they prefer the Raw to go out of business for, for their own, you know, gratification? Well, on that as well, I, this is one of my big bugbears of just seeing the complaints of a lot of the Raw fans in the, reaction to the move to Redcliffe. This is the same fan base that says 6.30 at Suncorp is too early because they can't get home and get to the game, but then a 7.30 kickoff is too late. Yeah. It's a fan base that is perpetually, like, perpetually Never complaining. Never yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Say, you know, there was a viable stadium like Dolphin on the south side for them to play in. I was going to say, if you, the old, really quick, quick way to fix this is one or two games at QSAC. It's not ideal, but it would at least put a couple of games on the south side and balance it out more, but... We've, I, they've I, played there before and it's not a great place ugh. in terms of both in terms of the Raw's record there and also the <laughs> view from the view from the stands is not exactly the best. But I, I think that place might be cursed yeah. for the Raw. But yeah. anyway, that's, we don't that's need a to, graveyard that place. But that's that's unfortunately one of those times where I kind of find it hard to sympathise with those that are complaining about the move because it's a case of the boy who cried wolf for me, hmm. where you say that Suncorp is. You know, the kickoff times are too early. The kickoff times are too late. Oh, now they're out at Redcliffe. That sucks too. Well, what do you... Like, there's no clear issue. And that's where something like the Raw Supporters Federation really should... You know, and I know they've been doing their bit to try and organise things like carpools, transport and everything as well. But that's also where, like, you would hope that they can sort of unify a lot of the feedback that they're getting, take out the expletives, which I guarantee were a part of it as well, and maybe try and present some sort of concise... Solution, and then also try and present the club's point of view as well. Can I just go back to the kickoff times in general? Because I think the kickoff times are really smart that the Raw have done here in most of these games. A lot of four thirty kickoffs on a Saturday or a Sunday, even if you do live on the south and have an hour, hour and a half commute, it's still perfectly reasonable to get to the game and then get home at a reasonable hour. There's only one game that I think is a ridiculous time. I think it's a Wednesday game in March. That's against Perth Glory at six o'clock on a weekday. I think that's they might want to look at changing that one, but most of them are perfectly reasonable and. There's a lot of things they could do that they could play double headers up there. Obviously, we know the W League won't be doing double headers, but when the NPL does start up, sorry for bringing it up again, but they could play double headers with the Raw Raw youth team against somebody, and then back straight into the Raw A League against whoever it is. They could engage with the local club up there, Peninsula Power, and say, "Look, do you want to play some double header games with us here? Maybe Morton you play Bay United, Morton Bay as well. You mm. could play t- games like that ahead of your game. You could also do a deal with Peninsula Power, perhaps where they kick off a bit earlier or later." at their local ground just around the corner. So there's things you can do to make it work. And I think the kickoff times are perfectly reasonable for the Raw. I don't. I think I said when this was first mooted, I said they can't play a lot of games at night, particularly on a Friday night. And they've been really clever with their schedules. I think they've done a good job with the kickoff times. Yeah, absolutely. But well, the kickoff time complaints were more about Suncorp Stadium yeah. than that. I just remember... You They're know, everywhere, though, really, let's be honest. Yeah, that's it. Well, at least, at least with the A-League uh, fixture list... Over the last few seasons, they have gone to something resembling steady kickoff times. Like, admittedly, they're all based around daylight saving time over summer, mm-hmm. but 
that's where your biggest audiences are in Sydney and Melbourne. Well, that's at the end of the day, you know, if anyone that, that's still complaining about the uh, about the times, take it up with Daylight Saving and take it up with Foxtel. They're, they're the two major reasons why, you know, that we have a six o'clock going on Wednesday night, which I agree is absolutely ridiculous. But I think it, what it comes down to as well is that a true fan is not someone who has to show up every game. And that's the thing is, is that once upon a time, I guess, and that's where sort of the complacency came from Suncorp Stadium, having a 50,000-seat stadium, that, so, oh, look, yo, anyone can go, all that. You know, the Raw would want to be hoping eventually that, you know, they can actually put the words sold out for, for games. You know, and, and you can do that with a 10,000-seat you know, stadium. So it's a case of, you know, no one's forcing people go. Like I said, I, I, I'm confident there's enough people on the north side, plus those who are willing to travel and make the sacrifice that you know, they'll get you know, at least 75% capacity at every game, at least. Well, and that's that's a point that I would love to know as well. We've heard the whole time the Roar have been playing out of Suncorp Stadium, this is purely for the A-League as well, uh, we've heard the whole time they've been playing out of Suncorp Stadium, there was that magical break-even figure that's varied between eleven and 15,000 people. I, yeah, I think it depends on yeah. how many games they're playing yeah. and whatnot as well. But whatever that break-even fi- figure is, it's going to be much slower up at Dolphin Stadium. Like whether it's getting five, 6,000 people to the 12,000-seat stadium, I would not be surprised if the Raw had their lowest ever A-League crowd. I think... Yeah, A-League, lowest ever A-League crowd. Or no, a couple of games where the crowd numbers are lower than... Um, they're lower than what they were for the lowest game at Suncorp Stadium, which I think, if memory serves, was 5,500 people on a Wednesday night fixture against the Central Coast Mariners in October 2010. I'd have to check. The Ivan Franich kayak celebration goal. <laughs> I know because I was... Well, my friend and I were sitting behind the Mariners bench. I might have called Matt Simon a um, phallic head. And, yeah, because it was such an empty stadium, the, my voice travelled and actually managed to reach him. So, Hello, the, Matt Simon. Yeah. Yes, loyal listener, Matt Simon. But <laughs> anyway, look... We'll come back to this a little bit later because, like, we've got a bit more yeah. to talk about. We do. I do just want to uh, touch on a few league-wide stories as well. And the, the part that I'm most interested in is it's the final year of the Fox broadcast deal. What are we hoping to get out of this? You're hoping to get some sort of stability in terms of just getting eyeballs back on the league on a platform where the league has been for 15 years now. That's what you're looking for. I do think it's probably a good time to test the market seriously and look at all the alternatives out there. We know we've heard about Optus, Forever and Free to Wear, but you've got Stan recently picked up Rugby Union Rights, which I know you watch Rugby Union a lot, James, so I'm sure you'll be keeping a keen eye on how that works for that, but I would just cast the net far and wide. See if you can see if you can use this time now, stabilising things, finally hopefully, fingers crossed, sorting out this independence mess, which has taken too long anyway, but if you can get all that done, maybe you can move to a new broadcast platform in, in a year's time that is that can take the game forward because at the moment it does seem like a bit of standing pat with the broadcaster James because we've seen as much as Foxtel and Fox Sports and KO have re-signed another one-year deal they've also guarded their football department down to the bare bones so it does so it does show you yes they're still interested but are they interested enough to take it to the level it needs to get to I'm not sure well look I, I think we've spoken quite a bit on this show in previous seasons about you know, the issues that we've had with Foxtel's level of investment in the A-League coverage. And that's nothing against people like Adam Peacock, Brenton Speed. Uh, the people they've got do a good job, there's not enough of them. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. And it's a case of basically the football people who were involved when they had the Premier League rights, you know, in the, for lack of a better phrase, glory days of football coverage. Now it's a case of just 
trying to get something out of it. I'm really lowering the bar for my expectations this season. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be a step above, you know, what we get for local broadcasts here with just one camera at the NPL games, which, look, to their credit, Double Take do a fantastic job producing so many streams on a single night. But I think the Foxtel broadcast, despite their much, much bigger resources, are going to probably be a bit of a mission to sit through sometimes. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, I think lowering expectations, right. You know, like I said, you're not going to get, you know, the glossy sort of, you know, sort of, you know, major broadcasts as, as you would expect or say for NRL or AFL, the Fox Sports stars, you know, they, they paid them, you know, they paid a billion dollars each for those. So look, I think at the end of the day, if, if, as long as, you know, we get you know, a full 90 minutes live every week of every game as promised, then I think anything beyond that's a bonus. And that's also something that coming back this season, I would love to see the uh, clubs and the players and even like and just do some work with Foxtel and say, look, this is what we want to get out of the broadcast this year. Like, you don't have to go and, you know, make rubbish smell like roses or whatever, but you have to, you have to at yeah. least do something to say, look, this game does still have plenty of promise in it. And look, I know everyone loves to say, oh, the A-League's rubbish, and, you know, people like A-League memes and David Squires love to just crap on the yeah. league and say, oh, it's all rubbish, and that's how they get their clickbait stuff up. But... It's, there's still so much more you can get from this. There is, and to Adam's point, clubs are started taking their own initiative. You saw back in in the the hub phase, a lot of teams started to produce their own pre and post game mm. content. I think that's something that clubs need to do more of as well. If the, if the broadcaster can't can't or don't want to produce that content, make your own. Yep. Yeah, and make it make it as biased as you want because it's tailored to your audience, and your opposition will have their own anyway, so they're not going to be watching. Clubs should go down that path and organise that sort of stuff. 100%. We, yeah, and as you said, like Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory and some of the other clubs did yep. that as well. And look, I can, I, again, just for lack of a better phrase, there's a pretty good production company yeah. here in Brisbane that does quite a good job, again, with the NPL broadcast. Yeah. They, could do that on, a, they could do that in yeah. a cancer. And three more on sitting around this table who would love to be a part of it. <laughs> just, yeah. just throwing it out there. Um, A-League independence is reportedly days away at the time of recording. It was days away a year and a half ago at the start of last season. Apparently there's over 100 pages of legal documents that need to be signed off and everything. It's all over the place, but at some point these clubs are going to have to, you know, be told sink or swim. Good luck with that. Even if it is days away, I don't know why the clubs aren't taking more initiative now. I know technically, legally... Maybe they can't, but if the FFA or FA, whatever they're called this week, have washed their hands of the league as you hear and they're not actively promoting and running things, well, then the clubs need to step up now and start. Because this has been going on for too long, James. There was a two, three-year war. I remember the first few years of our show, we were talking about, it should this happen? Will this ever happen? Then it happened, and now nothing's happened since. Has it happened? <laughs> well, no, they agreed to make it happen. I don't think it has happened yet. That's the problem. Eventually, we might get there, but this has taken far too long. This kind of feels like two people who have said, yeah, we'll get married eventually, but uh, we'll, we'll just keep postponing it. Yeah. Look, and, the, and I think, I guess the big test of independence will come very, very um, quickly. If, 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 if in one of the last acts, the, um, the FFA or FA, whatever they're called this week, as you say. This is not going to confuse um, us at all this year. Yeah. That's just the hope we don't I only say that because a, a former, yeah. former club owner did have an organisation called Football Australia, so mm. I'm not... I'm not too keen on the whole FA idea anyway. Sorry, go ahead. Football Australia um, apparently maybe about to uh, revoke uh, the Newcastle Jets licence of Martin Lee. So, um, and the sort of what Paul Letter of the um, 
APFCA have said is that basically that you know, as a fighting fund where basically all the clubs are going to have to prop up the Jets until at such time. So immediately, um, this this whole um, this whole sort of independence is going to be tested very very early, and whether so clubs, especially some of the poorer clubs, who are probably in financial dire straits themselves, you know, are willing to spend more money to keep keep up one of their own. So it's um, so yeah. So I just think you know, maybe you know all or nothing is as good as you know as first promised. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, transfer system, it looks like it's uh, going to be coming in sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, they um, they put out a couple of things in the last couple of weeks. The FA put this out. That they're going to introduce a broad transfer market for A-League and State Leagues below that, which is probably well overdue. Clubs in the, in the second tier are now actually going to get some compensation for their players when they move on to professional teams in this, in this country, which is a good thing. I think it's going to be launched early 2021, but it's at least it's a it's something that they've identified in their 11 principles that this needs to happen, and they've gone and done it, which is we've seen plenty of times before plans get written on paper, they never get done in Australian football. This one seems like it's gotten done. Absolutely. All right, the final league-wide story I do want to uh, touch on as well, something that's really kicked off in the last couple of days, is the, well, apparent lack of a season launch for the A-League, because... It all kind of kicked off with uh, former podcast guest Vince Rigari saying that there's been a little bit of a, oh, there was some sort of season launch taking place in Sydney the other day. Talking about kicking footballs at Mark Bosnich on Darling Harbour, something, something like that. I, I don't something know. Like that, yeah. yeah. Apparently, apparently the um, apparently it kicks off in in eleven days uh, time of recording, and um, you think that anyone outside the sort of football community bubble even knows about it, which is a real concern. Um, you know, considering that you know, it's not exactly the most sort of you know popular and you know so sort of well known thing as it is. Well, this is one thing that I do know the A League and its clubs are really going to have to uh, battle against, same as the W League, is that, you know, compared now to, say, even 10 years ago, everybody loves to live in their bubble right now. Is You know, it's so much easier to customise your own news feed, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So if you're not really actively paying attention, if you're a casual fan of, say, Perth Glory or something, and you're not paying attention to them 366 days a year as it is in 2020... It's a, it's a little bit hard for them to try and find that cut through now, especially with uh, paid marketing campaigns because you just don't have that cut through the way you might have a while ago when, yeah, now, now you know, you don't necessarily have that same uh, breakthrough trying to get to the people who might not be active supporters. Absolutely. We should point out about the thing about this launch on Monday was it was a broadcaster led launch. The league and the clubs had nothing to do with it. Then the broadcaster pick and chose who... They wanted that the event, which is why Perth Glory were not there. They were in quarantine, but the Jets weren't there either, nor were Brisbane Raw. So there were a few clubs. Oh, Canberra not in the W League. They weren't there either. So there were a few clubs not in attendance, but that was why it was a broadcaster-led event. They invited the guests. But it um, is interesting. Just on that quickly yep. as well, Scott. That is, that is one thing that, you know, I kind of do hold a little bit against Vince as well, where his original post could have been worded a little bit better, saying it was the A-League and W-League season launch when... In reality, it was the A League and W League season launch for Fox. Yeah. I actually would uh, defend uh, Vince at the time, and I reckon it was. It's just they had to backpedal after the the uh, conjecture on it. You know, after after Soccer Twitter absolutely went ballistic over it, um, I reckon that the that Fox Sports actually came out and and actually sort of made that up. I reckon you know Vince might be spot on. That was the quote season launch because there's been no mention of a formal season launch from the clubs from FFA, who we only found out. In the reaction to that, 
um, that, they're, that they're no longer in charge of any marketing or anything like that. So a lot of revelations came out out of this. And I think at the time, I think it's just a case of, you know, it was, and then they had to backpedal. Yeah, it's not one of those things that slips through the cracks of the independence, will, when will it happen sort of thing. But it does, it sounds like the clubs, at least this is what they said, they're going to try and do something different this year and have individual launches in particular cities. But it's Wednesday here in Brisbane time of recording and I haven't heard anything to suggest a season launch of, per se for the Raw this weekend. I know they've got games in both the men's and women's this weekend practice games, but that's not necessarily what you'd call a season launch either. So it's interesting to see how that's going to work because... I do think having a big season launch in a, in a central location does have its benefits. Maybe not in terms of the football fraternity, but the broader audience shows. You want to get people involved learning about, hey, the A-League season, the W-League season is underway or starting up very soon. You need that national attention and that those sort of things is how you get it. And this seemed very haphazard on Monday, to well, say the least. Look, all the criticism of that launch was quite valid as yeah. well. And you, But I actually kind of take a different tack and say at what point do you just give up? Because you're already dealing with a hostile audience that's going to rubbish whatever effort you do put in anyway. I would have happily have seen them say, look, we're not doing a traditional big season launch like they've done in the past, or attempted big season launch like they've done in the past at least. Just solely because, look, we've seen them try and do these sorts of things before, and all it has done is left them open to ridicule and scorn from what is already a hostile audience and fan base. So... I do, I do think they need to do something to say, hey, our season's getting underway, but that sort of big, massive season launch probably isn't the best use of funds at the Depends moment. how you do it, because some of the ones in the past are really quite good. When they had it at the Sydney Football Stadium, they had Del Piero and Heskey and Ono and all the rest of that. I think they get... may have had more to do with the people there. than No, they but they did make a big effort, and it, t- it took off quite well. It's just the last couple of years they had it at a golf course in Melbourne. They've had it in a couple of odd places where they've done it, and it's just not quite been... The same. I think they've got. If they're going to do it in the future, to your point, they've got to revisit how they do it. Yeah. Because if you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly, and you can't have it at some of these type of places. They've had it recently. I mean, I think this was at a bar in Sydney's Darling Harbour or something. I thought it was in the basement of the Fox Studios. It kind of looked like it, but apparently it was some bar in Sydney next yeah. to Darling Harbour. So either way. Yeah, and look on the Raw's perspective as well. Like last year, we were able to. I know. I know. There's a whole COVID protocols thing that they need to deal with as well. So I will give them at least a partial pass on this but last year they had a you know big media day everyone was invited out to the logan training base and we could interview like we were like we had to pre-request interviews we spoke with aldred hingett and wenzel halls from memory and would have loved to have uh, spoken with uh bobby fowler but unfortunately that was not to be but like it it was that was actually at least very well hand that was at least very well handled it was okay you know we're doing a media launch at least so you Mm. can go and talk to these people this year, it's been very different where we've kind of had to get out to the preseason friendlies. I know we've got chats coming up with Warren Moon and Jake Goodship, which you two did at the uh, Kappa Festival of Football up at Dolphin Stadium. But yeah, you're, uh, it just hasn't quite had that same thing. And what what my big concern for this season overall for the A-League is it's going to be another one where we're just sitting there going, let's just get through it, and next year's going. Well, to I actually think you've, I think you've actually hit the uh, nail on the head. I, I get this feeling is that with, with the talk of you know moving into a full winter season in uh, 2022, this is almost like it feels like a transition season. Like you would have thought that you know the the carnage that happened because of the global pandemic um, was a transition season, but I actually think this season 
as well is going to be a transition season where you're just going to try and slide to the base, you know, on the bare minimum to try and um, then launch into 2022. Because I'll tell you what, if they go if they go with this attitude of oh she'll be right, you know, we'll just you know, you know, look at who, um, you know, we'll look at you know sort of the community to sort of you know to promote it. They're getting absolutely slaughtered by the yeah. by the juggernauts of the AFL, the NRL, and even Super Rugby, who's who apparently been in you know in a lot of turmoil. They're getting slaughtered by them. So if if this is a season where they're holding back, I would hope that they're planning for 2022 because this is where they're going to need to promote. Otherwise, this could get buried. That's true, but you also there are some positives. To talk about. Should, that's enough for negativeness about Australian football. We could go on all day about that, but there's are some positives as well. We've seen we're going to get to the squads and news in a minute, but. A lot of young players get a chance this year, and some of the recruitment from particular, we've talked about wanting recruitment from Southeast Asia and Japan for a very long time. That's happening. So as much as there are some negatives, there's some good things as well, James. No, no, I agree. I just, I just feel like there's a lot that's been left to be desired. I know there's going to have to be some creative approaches, and speaking, I will say, like speaking to some of the people from the Raw, they know they're at least trying. But I think counting on that cut through just from. Facebook posts, yeah. and, you know, whatever yeah. other marketing strategies they've got, some, you know, I'm not too sure about, but some of the, like, I think they need to really have a much more aggressive guerrilla marketing strategy. You can do a lot on next to no budget. Yeah. That's all I, that's all I can really say on that. And what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, finish this segment with an interview with Raw CEO Dave Pure. So uh, we'll go to that and then come back and talk about the Raw's preseason right after this. All right, we are very pleased to welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for what I think is his fifth appearance, the CEO of the Raw, Mr. David Pure. Welcome aboard. Hey, James, how are you? Good. Uh, really looking forward to the new season getting underway in 12 days from when we're having this chat over the phone. So thank you for taking the time. No, absolute pleasure. It's good to, uh, good to catch up again. Yeah, definitely. Now, first question, I suppose I want to get it out of the way first. It's been the talk of the fan base, the move to Redcliffe for the A-League side. The W-League is split uh, between Redcliffe and Lions. Can you just explain what went into that decision to move the uh, A-League home games away from Suncorp Stadium? Yeah, it's a good question. And we've answered it a few times, but I'm very happy to answer it again. The, the club, over the throughout the pandemic, um, did everything it, it did to survive. We... We've got through that to a degree as well. We're, we're certainly not out from a, an overall perspective as a country and certainly as a state. And uh, and through that period, we saw changes within the FFA and distributions that the club is giving for the A-League players. And as you may or may not know, we, we never asked players to take pay cuts. We've supported them throughout. Um, we've been fortunate where we've been able to support our foreign players where they didn't have to uh, they weren't eligible for JobKeeper in that instance as well so there are some very big proud things that the club's been able to achieve to keep people going and employed um, then with the change of, of the year finishing off which we all know we made the finals which was great uh, looking at the future ahead and the economic overlay we, we find ourselves in a situation where a lot of people are still out of work it's not just a, it's not all roses and it's not great out there it, a lot of our members are, are suffering, and we know last year the impacts we had due to COVID where some of the membership benefits weren't provided to our members, such as a couple of games missed. So as a club, we, we took a very big, broader view and said, well, how much can people truly afford? We understand things are hard. So in that essence, we took um, a view of taking a, a big cut 
to our membership prices and seeing a price on average of $150 to get a full season membership for 13 games um, is the uh, uh, it's never happened in the club's history um, that I'm aware of anyway and it's about giving the affordability back and secondly when families do go to games we want them to enjoy themselves as well hopefully on the pitch what you see from the entertainment point of view but also when you go and buy food and beverages as well what can they afford to to actually buy their children or themselves just to keep them going. Um, maybe for you boys, you know, how many beers can you buy? <laughs> so I think it's important. That's the first and foremost reasons why we took some decisions to make changes because we, we truly just couldn't be in a position to continue at Suncorp because if we had to do that, our memberships would have been significantly high to cover the costs. And, and that just wouldn't be practical for a majority of people. And that would have impacted us as well. So we took that decision um, we understand in some cases it's not popular. We know that uh, a lot of people did enjoy uh, Dolphin. It's seen by the, the crowds that we got there. We've got a massive big fan base up in the north side as well that obviously do get upset sometimes when we play at Suncorp. Um, we get people who live on the Gold Coast get upset going to Suncorp. So we, we understand we can never please everyone, but it's the right thing for the club to do. Um, it, it is a business. We're in a business of entertaining. We're our club. We want to survive. Um, and it's important that we do that. And these decisions such as Dolphin, um, in the initial bit, uh, are the decisions the best we can make with what we've got. And then secondly, looking at it from uh, the improvements that have made there as well, it's a fantastic boutique stadium. Um, the atmosphere is electric. We, I don't think anyone would begrudge us that or would probably disagree that the game between us and Melbourne City where we came back 4-3 I think it was, you know, that game's at a different venue. I don't think we win that. You know, it was the crowd and the atmosphere that was created that um, overcame that day. It was such a memorable moment as well. So that's good. And secondly, the infrastructure at Dolphin is now catered for uh, more facilities such as changing rooms that we're hoping that, you know, that we're not going to see maybe a double header. We wanted one. We wanted a couple of actually double headers at the venue where the women and also the men could have separate changing rooms and and have a double header of that venue. You never know, the, the draw may change. It's still a very unpredictable environment with um, with COVID and what happens in different states and tracing. So that, that can be, whilst the dates are in place, that can be fluid. But overall, that's where we see our decision and, and that's the way we've gone. And is this seen as more of a short-term move just to try and keep the club going for the next couple of seasons or do you see Dolphin as a long-term option for the Royals' permanent home? Oh, look, I, no, I don't, I don't feel it's going to be a permanent home. I feel it's a fantastic opportunity to experience boutique stadiums. Our bigger goal is working with the State Federation, and we haven't hidden that. We've, we've helped Football Queensland and jointly together put, put together a document around getting our own stadium for football. And it's not just the Brisbane Raw Stadium. This stadium is about for football. That it could be... The Raw playing out of, could be the women playing out of, the NPL senior games getting played out of, a multitude of different opportunities that we can really see um, as a benefit to the state um, in a location which has been identified, and there's probably several more as well, that we can have something that we can control as a code. And I think that's important. It's not just the selfish needs of our club, um, but it's also for the broader interest of football. I think, secondly, we, it's such an unpredictable environment around where the A-League's going, um, we've got a situation where it's an independent league. That's going to be change. You've seen throughout pre-seasons where our club goes throughout all the regions as much as we can. 
um, our academy, which I can talk about that a bit later on, but our presence in the far north Queensland through the central Queensland parts all the way down into what should be Queensland, which is northern New South Wales, um, down even Port Macquarie. We've got presence down there uh, in all those areas and, and those people really love us. They love us coming to those regions. So it's not out of the question in the coming years we might take a game like we've done to Cairns before. We might buy a game from another team and take it to Townsville. Um, those type of things. How do we get as much interest and support of the club given we're the only Queensland professional A-League and W-League team and that for the very foreseeable future as well? Um, we've got to get our brand and our business and our team to as many parts as possible whilst not taking away from what we are um, and who we represent as well, which is we represent all Queensland. And yes, we're called Brisbane Raw, but we're the only team in Queensland and we do our best to try and service everyone we can. And I suppose it's probably important as well trying to remember that the Raw did start as the Queensland Raw. They obviously rebranded when North Queensland and Gold Coast came into the competition as well. So how do you go about managing that balance between still trying to continue to be Queensland's club and, I suppose, just, yeah, managing the fans at home who, you know, some do feel like they're being neglected a little bit. Yeah, look, they can personally feel that way. That's certainly not how we feel that we're neglecting them. I mean, we we can never make everyone happy. It's either there's an issue with price or there's an issue with um, something. And whilst we can't cater everyone's needs, we do our best to cater for the majority of people. We certainly see that, but... Going back to the, the point around Queensland, yeah, we were Queensland Raw. We still believe we are. We represent Brisbane as well because we changed. Um, that was uh, many, many years ago when two clubs came in and then two clubs went out. So it could have changed back to Queensland Raw. I certainly wasn't around those days, but we truly feel a, a total Queensland team. And I think what is underlying that is if you have a look at what we're doing in the community space, and in the academy space, that is reflective of what we're doing as a Queensland-based team. As I said, we've spent a hell of a lot of money and resources in building our academy. Um, that academy is now seeing uh, not only the 120-odd uh, people going to a fee-free environment, uh, free for registration fees as well, trying to get the best talent. It's drawing from all parts of Queensland, and that's just not isolated to Brisbane. Um, but in, in saying that as well, we've been doing other programs to support that continued pathway uh, around making sure that we're getting the best and getting to look at the next generation of A-League player in the Brisbane Raw. And we, we can't just do that from a uh, an optic of just looking inside Brisbane. We need to look everywhere. And that's what we've been doing. That's where our big focus has been. So we are Brisbane Raw, but we represent all of Brisbane and obviously northern New South Wales as well uh, in the current state. So... That's what I'd say. There's no one's been neglected and certainly not intent to the club to neglect it. I know there are some who are inconvenienced. However, in the majority, we're doing everything we can to make sure that we've got the best team on the path. As I said, none of the players have had to take a pay cut. You've seen the names we've brought into the W League again. We've got a very good chance around that for our for this year as well, for the women to you know hopefully lift some silverware where they rightfully should be. So we're doing all the things to keep people employed and doing all the things to keep the players fully paid as they should, unlike some of the other clubs who have made people redundant and taken pay cuts. So I think that's something that people should have a little bit of an understanding appreciation for, and uh, and we're pretty proud of that as we keep going through this very unprecedented time. 
Well, you mentioned the W League recruitment. We'll move on to the W League side. I've seen Jake Goodchip around at a couple of the preseason games, and one thing that's really jumped out at me is he seems very confident and seems like he likes the side that he's assembled. And with some of the reten- uh, signings from the NPL players like Mariel Hecker, I-, I think he's got good reason to be. Would you agree? I, I absolutely hope so. We've given <clears throat> Jake a fantastic opportunity to be a head coach for of a professional W League team. There's only, I think, what is it, nine teams in the league? I just lose count sometimes. <laughs> nine teams in, in the league, and he's one of nine. And it's a, it's a fantastic honour and opportunity. And, and the women that he's got underneath his uh, custodianship are not only fantastic experienced players coming back and also great future potential and hopefully Matildas as well. So he's got all the, all the resources and ammunition now to take that team to push for not only premiership but championship status and I'm hoping that uh, we certainly can do that. As you know, the, the women are training out at um, the birthplace, James, the birthplace oh. of, uh, back in 1957. Um, when uh, it was established out there at the Queensland Raw or Brisbane Raw, that's where we were at, at Lions FC. So the women are training there now. It's a great facility. <clears throat> and it also shows you the relationships we have, excuse me, <clears throat> the relationships we have with many NPL clubs and local clubs as well around using their great facilities because we know the women's program doesn't go for a full year. It's only a very shortened season. Um, at this point in time. So we're very grateful to have great relationships with teams and clubs like Lions to use their facilities that give these elite women the best opportunity to perform. And and as I said, I think you said it well. You know, Jake should be confident. I I expect that out of our coaches because there's no good going into a competition not being confident. Um, So credit to him and credit to the women. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the relationship with the NPL clubs, we've, you know, seen quite a few of the raw W League players making their... Oh, keeping fit, playing in the uh, NPL competition. Obviously, Caitlin Torpy out of Capalaba, Winnie Heatley at Lions, along with Mariel Hecker and Rosie Sutton. I'm not going to list them all because that would just cause this to go on and on and on. But how valuable is it getting those players out and about at the NPL grounds when the W League season isn't running? Oh, it's essential. And it's essential. you see this from two fronts. You see it, you need to make sure in the competition and no different if the A-League was in a similar structure but especially in the women's you want to be playing football and that's a that's a big step around making sure all of the women um, they get an opportunity and, and we've taken a very clear focus on we want a Queensland first policy where the state the state federation is pouring a lot into women's development and facilities as well and then also our club being the only license holder of the W-League team we want to see as many young girls and women coming out of the NPL who can play at that elite level as possible. I reckon it's wonderful. And if they're then going back into the local clubs, it then gives those local clubs the excitement to draw upon their future players in those clubs to say, you too could be the next Claire Polkinghorne. You could come to our club, Claire started here, and so on and so forth. Um, And they're seeing that now. And I think going back into the NPL system, not only keeps them fit and sharp, but it also makes them very wary that there are others coming for their spots. No spot is guaranteed. And I think that is important. And then when you see from uh, the professional women who have been going overseas, such as the Claire's and Emily's and so forth, they want to have more game time because they've, got, they've reached a certain level and they need to continue to improve. So going overseas for them, be it for money, but I, I would like to think it's more experience, more game time, because they're going to put them best, their best foot forward in coming back and, and hopefully representing the country and 
and importantly enough, representing our country in 2023 in Australia. And I think that's what everyone should be aiming towards as well. So that, that's how I see James. I think it's a it's a great competition, the NPL. I keep a little bit of an eye on it. I saw the Gold Coast United team um, won it uh, they're, they're during, the, during the season. I think it's uh, the season, given the interruption, it's a little bit hard to, to show. But then you saw the Lions FC women did a fantastic job of winning the, um, the championship as well, which I think people thought was great. And then obviously the men did the double as well there. So... You know, it's great for our sport seeing that and, and our women get to be exposed to all those clubs. And it's exactly how I think the, the system should work initially and I'm sure it'll grow from there. Definitely. Well, I'm very glad to hear that you have been uh, using NPL TV. I apologise for any of the commentary I, I, I might have had, but you might have had to sit through a few rough games. I do watch the NPL TV a little bit as well. It's uh, I don't get to watch a lot of the games in other states uh, for other teams, but... It's a, it's a really great concept, and you know you can turn it on, and turn it off, and take turn down the volume as well, <laughs> so I don't have to hear yourselves commenting, you boys. But um, no, look, I think that's just another initiative to give our game a, a lot more exposure, and you know I think of it very simplistically that uh, these players, be if they're in the professional NPL team um, or they're, they're just starting out, they can have their grandparents or parents and that who might not live within the state or close to, they can watch them play. Um, and especially through these times where COVID hit, you know, restriction on access to people um, is is really was a bit of an issue. So, you know, it's been great to see that type of platform created, and I'm sure uh, you'll see more of that in the professional game to come. Definitely. Well, so um, I do, do want to touch on the A-League side as well. Obviously, Warren's had a full off-season to try and, you know, build the side that he really wants. He's recruited from the NPL as well with some of the players like Danny Kim, Josh Brindle South. What are you looking for from the A-League side this season? Yeah, look, it's, been, it's an interesting mix. I mean, first of all, I'm very proud of Warren. I mean, let's start there for a start. He's a, an original Queensland Raw player, um, loves, loves Queensland, loves the Brisbane Raw, loves the Queensland Raw. We gave him an opportunity, which he's excelled in, being in the head of the academy and it was always part of our plans we've never we've never shied away from that that after a period of where Robbie would have been here the natural successor would have been through um, Warren and we're very pleased fortunately unfortunately um, that he could take on the role and I think he stepped, stepped up really well um, so the next bit is the plays he wanted to and we, we just said look we've got our current A-League squad we've got some good experienced plays we had a couple of players um, that wanted to take an opportunity overseas, and that's we, we've never begrudged them of that. You know, we were lucky with Scotty Nevs, well, I shouldn't say lucky, but it's just the calibre of person Nevs is around wanting to look at a financial outcome in the initial bit um, to support his family, but also uh, for the future, but also shows you the commitment that the man has around extending his contract with us because he loves, he loves the actual environment we've created at the Brisbane Roar, and I'm glad... Nevs is still with us for another year but on this and when he comes back from the Indian League which I don't think has been going too well for him over there that team um, I think he'll add a, another a dynamic to our squad definitely in defence then you've got the foreign lads um, you, you know the, the likes of Tom wonderful leader McCauley's back uh, which is great and then you start seeing Jay O'Shea who I, is the most underrated best player in the league I think and, and I'm really hoping this year that the league can, and Jay will show his full talent of what he can do. You've seen snippets of it last year. He's probably the best player by far. 
um, and a wonderful human being, a great family man as well. So I think he'll show um, even more of what his great talents are. And then you've got our Japanese contingent where Mooney's done a hell of a lot of research and just threw a bit of a snippet for you, for your guys there, um, how that came about. It's not just agents we deal with, it might be even a couple of past players who have had associations with the clubs over in Japan and have been a very good catalyst. So, you know, we don't go out and, and articulate all those things to everyone. Say, you know, a, a man like Jade North, who's, you know, highly credentialed, played in that area, has the contacts as well. Any type of discussions they have with Ange Postacoglu as well. So we do things discreetly, but, you know, just for your listeners, we, you go, well, that's wonderful how we keep engaged with a lot of the past players and they get their view on this, especially when they've been in those environments. And we've been able to get Riku and Kudo. Riku's obviously started training. You've seen a little bit of him when we went down to that rain-drenched um, Coffs Harbour uh, last week. And you'll see more of him this weekend if you are putting this up uh, before then during a pre-season game against Western United. And Kudo will certainly come out of quarantine the next uh, week, just over a week, I think it is now. And, and our hope based upon his pedigree is um, he'll be quite dynamic and and certainly uh, good for us up front as well. And then you've got the likes of Scotty McDonald and, you know, what do you say about uh, the champion there? He did a wonderful job last year. He's hungry, he's excited. You know, the young guys certainly look up to him uh, around what he's done. Uh, then the likes of Dylan Wendell-Halls, who, you know, he's shown what he can do in, in certain games. And I think this year, Dylan really needs to even step up even further. I know he can. Um, he's shown he's got the potential, so I'm hoping for a real big year from Dylan. Then the Jesse Dalys of the world are coming in quite dynamic, um, being supportive of Danny Kims at the comeback and sign of the club, the Josh Brindle Souths, the, the Ranger Brigade is, is <laughs> nearly in its full quartet with um, the left-back Corey Brown, you know, um, and also now Josh Brindle South, who has certainly shown his speed and what he can do, so he puts a lot of pressure on that defensive line for those boys to keep their uh, their roles. And then you go from a Jamie Young, who's one of the, who is not the, he is the best he is. goalkeeper in the league by far. Um, you know, and it's a credit to Jamie, he's a fantastic player. Then you've got Jack Hingett, who's had a little bit of injuries come back and Jack's pushing really hard. So, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting year, not only just for us, where we're, we're saying what we're doing, we're looking for good talent, we're, we're working within our means. We, we're never going to spend as much as what a Melbourne City will. Um, we definitely won't spend the least, I can tell you that. Um, but we want to be competitive, and I think we will be competitive with the squad we've got. And the first one is to get into the finals, and anything can happen. So that's certainly what the boys are focused on. And that's mirror image with Jake as well in the women's team. So I, I think that's from our perspective, that's where our club is. Um, training's been wonderful. Uh, obviously not in this weather, but it's been. We've still continued to do it in different different areas. We're just blessed where we've got access to elite fields everywhere to utilise, so we can maintain our training. Um, but also, when you look at the league as a whole, you're going to see a lot of clubs who um, are just looking at NPL land. You're going to see some clubs uh, who seem to talk to players whilst they're under contract, and they decide to then move to a bigger club. And I won't mention any names. Uh, over the recent days, but that's happened too as well. I don't know if that's great, but um, that's happened. It's happened. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be a real mixture. I don't think you know it's a lay down bazaar that Sydney is the best team or Melbourne City are or 
those can say, oh, they've got the best squad on paper. Um, but it's always not about what happens on the paper. It's about what happens on the grounds. And I think we showed that last year. And I think we can show that again this year as well. De- definitely. And also one other thing with the Roar as well. There is quite a talented group of youngsters coming through the NPL system as well under Chris Grossman as well. Eli Adams. I've really been impressed by yep. Keegan Yelisich and Hassan Ramazani. So there is depth yes. available for the Roar as well if they need to call on it. Well, and that's exactly what you want. You know, these guys are getting some uh, experiences and, and playtime during, you know, trial matches as such. And some of them got a very good understanding of the game last week against Newcastle. Wasn't the, probably the greatest test, but they, look, it's about minutes and it's about, you know, we could have done a hell of a lot more damage to Newcastle um, than what we actually showed anyway. Uh, you know, we had major possession. These guys have just built extra confidence. And, and it just goes to show around the future, around where, where our club's going. And, and that's the investment, as I said earlier, we're making in the academy to keep on building those kids and building them into young men and giving them game time. And Warren has been a big driver of that and the architecture of that as well. And I think that's that's what our club is going to be. Um, and then next year, we'll see how that goes. Some of those names you mentioned, you know, they might be in line. They'll be pushing. They'll be pushing the likes to get us playing spot. They want a contract. They're hungry. And... If you are a Brisbane Raw fan, you know that you want to have a team out there that is hungry to win and hungry and never quits and never stops and certainly saw that last year and I'm expecting to see that this year as well. Definitely. Well, there's certainly a lot to look for. Final question for you, David. We really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me this morning. Um, the story of the Raw's season will be... The story of the Raw season will be as a United front as a playing group and club getting through the toughest period in the history of the club being the pandemic starting the season and then pressing as hard as we can to win the whole lot i certainly like the sound of that david well thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, we'll be back on the brisbane football review after this you're listening to the brisbane football review we'll be back after this and we're back for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. James Scott and Adam here, and we should say a big thanks to Dave Perret for his time there on the phone. Um, so the Raw, A-League side, we're going to discuss that for the next little while and run through some of their pre-season results. Now, we've all been to varying levels of these games. Some we've uh, had to track remotely, others uh, we've seen in person. Oh, let's run through the results. Raw 1-0 over East. 9-1 over Mackay in which Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United FC. That one was in Mackay. Uh, 6-1 over Rochdale. 7-1 over Penn Power. 5-2 against the NPL Queensland All-Stars. And then this past weekend, they had a 1-1 draw with the Newcastle Jets. So, overall, I think what stood out to me uh, so far from these results is just the fact that they've really gone on the attack in these games. Yeah, right from the very first game against East, there was a, they went back to the traditional Warren Moon formation, the 4-3-3, which I think we're all very much looking forward to seeing. It was it was much more attacking-minded football, and I think it's been entertaining stuff. I think the, the first game I saw was a bit rusty, but we were all... As at, expected. Yeah, at, we're all at Dolphin for the, the most recent game here in Queensland against the All-Stars, and... They looked really sharp that night, particularly the front third. There's in the lot, first half. In the first half, they looked really sharp. And there's a lot to like about the Raw this year as you go through. And the results are against some of the NPL sides are what you would expect. But it's more the way they were playing, which I thought it was almost back to the future in a way of what we've seen in the past of the Raw, which worked. And I think there's a lot to like about it. 
And that All-Stars game, that was the first time I'd been able to see them in person this preseason. And that was the biggest surprise for me, is just how sharp they looked and how aggressive they were in attack. They went, all right, well, you know, we're out to prove a point as well, especially because the W League side had just lost, admittedly, a shell of the W League <laughs> side we're going to see in a few weeks. But overall, they've been... Like, they were very good. It was a hat-trick to Joey Champness and a brace for Scott McDonald on that night. This is going to be a very different raw side than what we saw last season. Yeah, look, that, that first half, I can, I, I'm can i with you. I can only speak from actually seeing the MPL All-Stars game versus the Raw. It's the only sort of pre-season action I've actually seen live of of the uh, A-League side. And that first 45 minutes was just clinical. And that, that gave you a lot of hope that, you know, this is, you know, they're, they're really supporting together. The second half wasn't so great, but um, look, I think it was more a case of job done. Um, the, the sort of the file of sort of, you know, really came out of the game. So uh, the only concern I have, it's undefeated, undefeated pre-season, except they've got one with one game to go. Um, the only concern I have is that, you know, conceding a couple of goals, you know, here and there, that sort of other than the East game all the way back in the start, um, they have conceded goals in every game since. So I don't know if that's more of a, a byproduct of um, sort of more attacking football or whether they, they're still settling the um, settling the defensive structure. Tom Aldred, I don't think, has played much, much if at all. I haven't seen him I play haven't seen him. Yeah, so... He, he looked fine up at Dolphin that night, so... Yeah, so so that, that's obviously... Yeah, I think, obviously, him, like, uh, Tom Aldred and McCoy Gillespie are going to be the uh, first-choice centre-back pairing, so... So obviously that will probably you know tighten, tighten that back back up a little bit more. So so yeah, but look overall overall, um, you'd be pretty satisfied uh, with with that that preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I think overall, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen because it's not just that they've gone on to win these games, but it's the fact that they've been quite ruthless as well. Like putting nine past Magpies Crusaders United, who have spent this the uh, since the resumption of football playing in the Mackay. Premier League because of circumstances and whatnot, mm. but six past Rochdale, seven against a pen power side that, okay, I can accept, might not have been firing on all cylinders that night. Firing very little cylinders. But that, but overall, yeah, there might have been, you know, push bike against a Ferrari that <laughs> night. But overall, like, they've still gone out and done the job. I feel like in previous seasons, they might, the Raw might have just been happy to go through the paces, put up two or three, and just come away with yeah. the win, but They've gone on and made sure that they finished the job, again, except for what was a fairly sloppy second half at Dolphin Stadium. That and the Jets game, which I think you can almost put in a separate category also. It's an A-League side, yes, but also the conditions down yeah. there in Coast Harbour that day, they were, there was a lot of rain in the area. And also, I imagine when it stopped raining in the summer, it gets quite humid. So I imagine it was a wet and humid afternoon down there in Coast Harbour, which is not conducive to free-flowing football. Yeah, no, I was just going to make that point about the um, game in Coast Harbour over the weekend. That that game was probably one or two hours away from him being called off. They had that much rain down there. So, in fact, they got 90 minutes you know, in, in very tough conditions, one all. Um, yeah, look, I think uh, both teams, I think they will probably say, you know what, they'll... They're, they're glad to get 90 minutes, you know, out rather than sort of any sort of forward progress or preparation. Yes, and on that as well, I think we were all expecting on Saturday that game to be called off considering the weather that was in the area. Uh, I think some of these games have actually been streamed as well, so you might be able to go back and watch them on delay. I do know the Raw NPL All-Stars game will be available on demand on NPL TV, so make sure you sign up to that because not only do you get those games, you get every match of every senior football Queensland competition and uh, 
I'd say it's well I, worth the free sign-up I price. I think we won't mention MPL anymore. Oh, exactly. We were done with that. <laughs> we've got, we've now got an ad. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, an no, unpaid no, ad. No, MPL TV is good. Yes, it's been a fantastic resource. It's still for an unpaid ad. You have some commentators and... They uh, don't know that. Get to, see, get to see my face out there. Well, actually, no, that's not a good selling point. Forget I said that. <laughs> the uh, A-League side do have one more game to be played. They're taking on Western United Sunday on the Gold Coast. Speaking of NPL squads, I get the feeling we'll be seeing quite a lot of the Brisbane Roars NPL squad on Sunday uh, down at Carrara. I'm not sure about that, actually. It's the final hit-out. They've only had one other hit-out against an A-League side. I think they'll probably go pretty full strength with this, particularly if the two Japanese boys who they've recently announced the signings are ready to go. I think you're going to want to get both of them involved in this match. And I think, given the fact that this um, senior squad hasn't played together a lot, we've mentioned Tom Aldred hasn't played in preseason that we know of, so I imagine it'll be as close to full strength as you can expect, at least from the start. Yes. Well, that, Later that on, can perhaps be, you might see some yes. of the young kids, but that at the start, be, you'll see the first team. That might be my little caveat on that as well, saying you might start off with a fairly light, <laughs> oh, fairly full strength squad, but get ready to see the names of like Hassan Ramazani, Eli Adams... Um, etc. Making their way in. Keegan Yelisic as well. Alex Parsons scored at the weekend. You might see him too. Absolutely. Banger of a goal too. <laughs> All right. Um, let's run through some of the departures from last season as well. Um, starting off with Daniel Bowles, who's retired from pro football to focus on his coffee uh, empire that he's very slowly building here in Queensland. He's not leaving football completely though. You will see him playing for Brisbane City in the FQ Premier League next season. Uh, Jake McGing has gone to MacArthur FC. He kind of disappeared towards the end of the season as well. Aaron Reardon playing for Gold Coast Knights. Matt Rydenton is over in Wellington. That's one that I'm actually a little bit curious to see because he was playing quite a heavy role for the Raw after that resumption in the A-League hub. Yeah, look, I was quite surprised, actually. I thought that he might have done enough to... Um to actually to yeah, earn a, a contract extension. I, mean, I know it was a short-term uh, deal at the end of the season just to get him through, but um, I thought he actually did enough. He was he was uh, quite good. And But look, he go, goes back to Wellington. Well, technically not Wellington yet. Wollongong. Yeah, Wollongong. But uh, yeah, look, he, as a Kiwi international, look, I'm sure he'll fit in very well there. Yes. All right, uh, Brad man, he was one of those players that was very hot and cold last season. When he was on, he was the best player on the park for the Raw. Uh, he's now with Mohun Bagan in India. Yeah, the, be- the better the better half of Calcutta. Yes, the half that we all support here in Calcutta, <laughs> that's for sure. But you're right, he's a confidence player, James, isn't he? When we saw he was his confidence up last year, but around the Christmas period, he was one of the better players in the league. It just it seemed like his confidence came and went, and with that came and went his effectiveness as well. Yes, um, Max Crockham is carrying the carrying the completely unoriginal path of uh, Melbourne Victory signing a Brisbane Raw player. That was their one for this season, I think. In the so men's far. anyway. So far. Um, Mirza Muradovic has gone to Wellington. It seems like he was very superfluous to Warren Moon's requirements, didn't fit the system. And look, there, there was talent there, but I'm, I'm not against Moon getting rid of the players that he had no intention of using. That's all I can remember. He made it pretty clear, didn't he? He made it pretty clear in the um, audio we played the end of last season. Made it pretty clear that Mirza wasn't quite the player he needed. Absolutely. Um, Aaron Amati Holloway has gone to East Bengal, as has Scott Level. Scott Neville. The difference between those two, Scott Neville is on loan and will be back in March, give or take. Yeah, the uh, the lesser the uh, lesser half of Calcutta. Absolutely. Just on these departures, I mean, it's it's almost two years to the day, James, since we were sitting in a room not too far from here talking about the resignation of John Aloisi. 
That's right. And the one word you can say about the rulers here is stability, given they've only had a couple of players come in, they've let a few go, but it's a pretty continuity group. Since that day, James, there's been three coaches. They have used 57 players. They've had 25 debutants. They've signed 25 players and they've let 35 go. So you look at that. I mean, they've all had upheaval for the last two years. So for all the lack of potentially a lot of new additions this year, I think it actually helps them because they've had so much tumult in the last couple of years with coaches coming and going, players coming and going. I think having a core group now is actually a good thing. And that in the background is my dog Trixie just uh, making her opinions known on what you were saying yeah, there, Scott. Telling me to hurry up with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that is a very good sign as well. And above all, I think they're... Like, I'm not saying that they didn't like playing for Robbie Fowler or John Aloisi or anyone else before that, but just in a vacuum, I think they really do like playing for someone like yeah. Warren Moon who does have his players back when they need, when they need it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Warren Moon, you guys actually had a chance to catch up with him at Dolphin Stadium uh, on December 5th, so let's go to that interview now. Oh, we're joined on the season preview by the coach of the Royal Warren Moon Rides. Talk to us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we're getting there slowly. We've got uh, the bulk of our squad that's still coming to join us, but the uh, boys are working hard. Uh, most of the time, we're building. Uh, Look, it is in patches. There's still more to do. We're, we're by no means the finished article, and I, I certainly, um, uh, you know, obviously, I know it's a process, but we're, we're running out of time as well, so we need to really uh, pick up a couple of things quickly before we get ready for the 29th. Well, I mean, in a way, it's a bit, it's a bit easy. You get more time with the players, and it's full time, so that that helps. Um, and you can really start to plan your week and, and work on things that you need to work on. And we've done that, and we saw a lot of good things tonight. And you know, I've seen improvement from the first trial, uh, practice game in preseason to now, and, and which is great. Uh, you know, I can't help feel a bit irritated by that performance in the second half, though. I felt we were uh, uh, we were way below the standards we set in the first half. Started quite well at the end of last season in lockdown. Unfortunately, it didn't quite go your way in the elimination final down there in Sydney. Are you using that as kind of a bit of a motivation, a bit of fuel looking ahead to this season? I think we all are. Yep. You know, the players think they're a, they're a good team. And if they think they're a good team, then, then they need to do well because we've got good players in that change room and, and they felt like there were fine margins that cost us last year in terms of that result in the semi. Um, you know, and if they've got belief in themselves, they'll go out and perform this year and we hope to be there again. We've made a few signings so far, some which you saw aside, Jesse Daly, Josh Brindle South, Joey Champness. How are they setting into the group? What can fans expect to see from them well, this I, season? Yeah, I think you talked about what they can do. They, they don't look out of place. Um, but, you know, like for them, it's a, it's a process. You know, Jesse's obviously played professionally in America, but the, the other two are coming in from, uh, obviously, um, the local league. Well, Joey's not, obviously, but, uh, you know, Danny and... Uh, and, and Josh are, so it'll take them time, but the other two uh, are going are gonna to obviously be important to us. You mentioned coming from the local league, you came from the local league with Lions, Danny Kim came in did really well last year. Is that still something you're really looking forward to, bringing players in from the local league and building that bridge between the two, the players who perform well at that level will step into, into your side? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, I've got the record to say, I believe that there are good players out there, but they need to be given time to adapt to professional football. Uh, and this is not a short-term fix for us. This is a long-term uh, process. So these boys will come in and hopefully they can uh, show us what they can do over not just this season coming, but seasons to come. So one other side people have a chance uh, Riku Danzaki. What are your thoughts on him as a player? What can people look forward to seeing with him? Yeah, well, look, Riku is a, uh, a J-League player and he's had minutes. Uh, not a lot of minutes this season, but 
they think very highly of him in Japan and at Consa del Sapporo. They think he's uh, a player for the future, so we're lucky to have him on loan. He's very, very uh, mobile, technically proficient, and uh, you know I think fans, he's going to excite the fans. So you've seen a couple of young players playing in preseason all throughout the games we've seen over the sports so far. We saw Macklin, Frank, Eliver as well. Is that what you're really going to look to is bringing players through from the youth academy? Is there anyone in particular that you're keeping your eye on who could make a debut this year? I think anyone that performs, regardless of their age, is an opportunity to play under me. I, I've done it before. I'm not afraid to play young players. They need to perform, though. I'm not here to uh, hand out any medals just by being a participant. They've got to come here and actually perform. So uh, whether they're 37 or 17, it, it makes no difference to me. They've got to perform for the team. So you've got the new training base down on the Gold Coast. How's that panning out down at the moment so far? Well, look, it's fine. I know there's a lot of talk around that, but it's a world-class facility. So uh, we want to go where we get the best pitch, the best facilities, and, and that happens to be it. So we're standing here on another great facility here at Dolphin Stadium in Redcliffe. So we'll play all their home games here. I see, what your thoughts on this facility at the moment so far, having been fully renovated? And as an atmosphere, they'll be created here. Are you looking forward to that over the course of the season? I'm excited by this place. So, you know, coming here tonight, the players got the buzz. That was our best performance, especially the first half in, pre in the pre-season. So you can imagine that they're going to uh, enjoy playing in front of a lovely pack crowd here because um, the atmosphere is great. Even tonight, with a few thousand people in here, it was, uh, it was superb. So then, your, your expectations for the year? Because it played quite well last year, finishing the top four. Is it to push on from that or consolidate? What's, the, what's your personal expectation for this season? Uh, look, we're a club that uh, is a bit of a rebuild. You know, we're like every other club affected by COVID. Yep. Um, but we want to win. We want to do well. with our performances and uh, especially when I took over you know there wasn't a game I don't think where we were outplayed we certainly had our moments in every game to win those games and uh, my focus in the offseason is to find more firepower in the front third with more mobility to allow us to do that and uh, I think we've done that when you look at the rest of the competition what are your thoughts on at the moment who do you think could be one of some of the strongest sides to keep an eye on this year well I th I, you know I think with the A-League there's no easy games um, even the game we won last year when I took over against Melbourne Victory against a young side that was a tough game so there's no easy games in the A-League. I, I think uh, Sydney are still going to be the benchmark. Melbourne City will always sign well, and so will Melbourne Victory. And, and behind those, I think it's quite open. So, uh, but, but that doesn't mean we settle. We, we want to try and uh, compete and, and, and better them. You said you signed good players as well. But you've got the experienced spine that you had from last year. You've got Jamie Young in goal, Macaulay Gillespie, Tom Walder at the back, and Scott McDonald up front. How important is that core group of players as a, a spine to your side experience-wise going to be? Yeah, well, they're important if they perform, and, and they need to perform. You know, um, they're no different to the the young and the old. They they're good players to have, and I, I back them and I believe in their ability. Um, but yeah, we, we need them to perform like everyone. And you start your season here on December the 29th against Wellington Phoenix. You look forward to a big crowd and hopefully three points as well. Yeah, we will obviously in, in front of our home fans. We want to get up to a good start, and uh, that Wellington game is going to be a good one. And hopefully, we can get the job done. Look forward to them. Congratulations and good luck this season. Cheers, guys. Thanks. All right, that was Scott, Adam, Warren Moon and the Dolphin Stadium Seabreeze, which I think we'll have to get used to this season. Moving on, let's talk about... Uh, well, let's start running through the Brisbane Raw squad. We'll try and do this a little bit more efficiently than we have in previous years, I think, and start off with the coaching, uh, coaching staff, which will, of course, be led by Warren Moon, who uh, earned the full-time job last July or August, there or thereabouts. Scott, you may want to put your microphone down because it's currently up near your temple. That's better. Just some uh, on-the-fly coaching there. Thank you. Yes. Um, Kevin O'Hearn Evans is the assistant coach. Most recently, Sunshine Coast in the NPL and led strikers to the 2016 NPL Premiership. 
was also with Noosa Lions in the Sunshine Coast Premier League. So it seems like Warren has gone for a lot of the players that he, a lot of the coaches and staff that he knows from his days with Lions in the NPL. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, um, I guess, for a rookie, you know, early coach, you know, you always want to surround yourself with people that, uh, that not only, you know, you've worked with before, but also people who are mentors. I think um, Kevin O'Hearn Evans, um, I think, you know, those who've followed the local game for a long time would know that he's probably, you know, almost the the standout of all sort of coaches, you know, at least in that generation. Obviously, there's a new generation that's come through now, but uh, certainly, you know, deserves his opportunity as a A-League assistant coach. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's a very big... experienced assistant coach to work with Darren Davies as well, so it's a good... Mm good range of coaches that we've got there now, and I think Kevin O'Hearn Evans was probably headhunted for this role. Definitely, and he does have some other um, well-known NPL names going going in the uh, coaching staff as well. Some of the names we've heard bandied about. Um, Jordan Manning has left Redlands after steering them to safety in what was a pretty impressive yeah. end to the season there as well. He's got Puranabi, formerly of Moreton Bay yep. United, working in analysis, I think. Yep, yep. and he also was coaching the academy as well. Yeah, and there's even been some talk about um, Owen Baker possibly getting involved as well. And a couple of other names who I'm really drawing a blank on right now. That could be because my coffee's wearing off. Yep, probably is. Yes, absolutely. But it's a good point. There's a lot of good coaching experience around Quinton, and it's good to see them getting an opportunity now with the Raw. And above all else, this is the sort of thing that we have heard quite a few calls for in the past, of getting these uh, names from the NPL up and having a chance in the top uh, level that Australia does have. And... If you want a reason to get excited about the A-League season, this is it. We're finally getting to see exactly what that sort of gap between the two competitions is and just how good some of the talent we've seen. Obviously, we've watched far too much of the State League competition over the past few years, especially doing this podcast and covering it as we have in our different roles. And we know that there's talent there, obviously not just on the field with the players, but with the coaches as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it happen. And to be honest, I'm, like, I did not expect Warren to be the one to get the job when he did, but I'm really happy to see him get this chance. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was something we hoped for, wasn't necessarily expecting, but once he did get the job, you knew he was going to go down this path, having cut his teeth in Queensland football for a very long time. Knows the talent that is out there, both the playing and coaching ranks. And as we go through the playing editions coming up, James, you'll be able to see a very distinct Queensland flavour to the majority of the players. But also as well, like I said, I think it's also just seeing up the tone that, you know, that the Brisbane Roar is the only professional team in Queensland. You know, there's not only a pathway for players there, but also a pathway for coaching. And, and I guess that that's also come across right across, you know, the A-League because it's like 11 of the 12 coaches are Australians, which is I don't think it's ever been like that before where you've had that. So and the, the only exception, you know, is Carl Robinson at uh, West Sydney Wanderers. But other than that, um, yeah, the, the, I think I think that the one positive and this year I think from a more um, from a more sort of broader sense is that, you know, Australian coaches and, and as we'll talk about, Australian you know, young players are finally getting an opportunity at the big time in the A League. And if you have criticized the A League in the past for not having enough good Australian talent this is a season you can't use that as an excuse to not watch it. This is where you actually have to really back up your claims from the past and say, all right, it's time to get out and get behind the talent that I've been advocating for for the last decade, decade and a half. It even. may not be the exact place you're advocating for, but it's an adv- there's clearly a, a trend across the league, James, for young Australian talent. Absolutely. All right. Uh, running through the playing squad for the Raw as well. These are the senior contracted players as well, so we'll just keep it to that. 
goalkeepers. Jamie Young and Macklin Freak, I'd say there's a fairly clear hierarchy there. There is, but this is, I think, the goalkeeping union that you could have seen 12 months ago. I think that Macklin Freak was ready for this for a while ago, and this is an important step in his progression to now be the first choice back up to, to Jamie Young. And if you need a goalkeeper this year and Jamie Young is unavailable for whatever reason, I think I think Macklin will do a really good job. We've seen him in the youth team stepping through now. He's ready for this, and we know Jamie Young is... If he's not the best keeper in the league, he's in the top two. I agree. Um, yeah, it's a good opportunity for Macklin Freight to sort of learn more, I guess, now from a game day perspective. You know, he's always been, he's, he's done all the training around yeah. around you know, the, the, the senior group and all that, but actually, there's something you've said for actually being there on game day, you know, being ready for just in case. Like, yeah. it, like there's, every, there's every chance that Jamie Young will play all 90, 90 minutes of all 27 games, but what if? Yeah, and I think and, he, and that's and that's that's yeah. gonna be mental more than anything for him now. That you know, what if something happens and you're not even gonna see it coming? It's the preparation, isn't it? It's yep. the fact you've got to do all the work to play, even if you're not gonna play. Because yep. Adam's point, you never know. You're one, yep. you're one split second away from being needed as a goalkeeper. And I, I think I think mentally, I think it's probably the hardest thing being a reserve goalkeeper. You know, being the regular reserve goalkeeper, because the thing is, is that you know, you don't know when you're gonna play, but. You've got to you've got to actually be ready to play. So people have you know, in the past have said, oh, they you know, you know, like I said, they're, they're warm in the pine. But it's I think it's a lot more than that because because just really, what if? The scenario. only the only uh, two jobs I can actually remotely relate it to is being a backup goalkeeper for an NHL team, <laughs> and that's not even the same as well because a lot of teams do rotate their goalies yeah. playing 82 games in the regular season plus whatever they do. well or they do have the starter for the final or Stanley Cup finals, like more playoffs, or being a backup quarterback for an NFL team. You know, you know, the only time you're going in is if the starter's done something really, really stupid and gotten himself hurt, or if the game is completely out of hand one way or another, and your job is just don't make it any worse. So, yeah, I, I, the, just the one thought on being the backup keeper, I do I keep coming back yeah. to, though. It was the end of the 2016-17 season as well, Jamie Young had just split his arm open in, uh, yep. um, in Thailand, Thailand, and Tom Billich had come in and had to play that game. Then there was that semi-final the week later, Thomas Broach's final game yep. on the pitch for the Brisbane Roar, um, down in Melbourne against Melbourne. Victory. And there was a point about 20 minutes into that game where, um, where Young had actually managed to get collected by one of the Melbourne Victory players. That's how British it was. Oh, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> But I just remember the Fox cameras at the time yeah. just flicking over to the bench and just seeing the look on Billich's face going, here we go again. Because yeah. he would have had to have prepared to play that game anyway. But anyway. That's always, yeah. as, a, as a spectator and even in the media as well, you, when you see a keeper go down, your first look is to see, okay, where's the result, reserve yeah. goalkeeper? What level of preparation yeah. are they doing? And if he's wearing lightly coloured pants, it looks like there's a stain <laughs> yeah. on them. We, we, should, we should mention Jamie Young briefly. We've kind of glossed over here because we, we kind of think we know what to expect from Jamie Young. He's been the Raw's number one for a good few years now. And every time he's called upon, you, you can almost bank on him making that big save that's required because we've seen it time and time again. And I don't think there's any reason to think anything different is going to happen this year because he doesn't look impressive. He doesn't look like he's slowing down or anything. And I think from I think watching the highlights from the game at the weekend, he made a great save in that game as well. So I think we can expect Jamie Young to once again be the really solid goalkeeper he's shown to be. Absolutely. And, yeah, and look, you know, as I said, I made the point before about the preseason results. So Jamie Young was in goal for a number of those games, but 
Look, at the end of the day, you, like a lot of the stuff, it's not like a, he um, that he made the error or anything like that. A lot of time it was, you know, like there was one um, spectacular own goal that I don't think he had any chance to get. So, look, I, but I think, yeah, look, Jamie Young's going to be fine. He's going to be number one, and he's going to be he's going to be the best um, one of the best keepers in the league again. And shockingly, people like A-League memes decide to, you know, make a big deal of that own goal instead of the ridiculously good ones that we saw in that game. Mm-hmm. Shocking that they're so negative. Mm. But anyway, I kind of, I honestly think that, like, I don't even hold that own goal against him. They were up 5-1 nah. in a, nah. it was a pre-season friendly where they were just running out of the It was a clock. miss-hit, miss-hit pass. It happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, you remember, oh, who was the Villa goalkeeper that happened to? In an actual Premier League match, no less. But, no, you don't see the English fans <laughs> losing their mind on that. Just remember. <laughs> Moving on, centre-backs. Um, I'd actually almost call this the deepest group on the raw because you've got Tom Aldred and Macaulay Gillespie as the entrenched starters and two very promising youngsters behind them Kai True and Jordan Courtney Perkins and then you've even got Scott Neville as uh, from yeah. March who will be the next option there yeah you did, I think I think you're right about that I think a lot of people would look at that centre back depth and think gee if Aldred and Gillespie get injured what happens but we've seen Jordan Courtney Perkins play at left back admittedly but he's a centre back by trade and I think he's going to get a lot more minutes this year one way or the other I think obviously the, the the British duo of Aldrin and Gillespie will be the first choice, and we've seen how well they did as the season grew on. James, they might have started off a bit slower, but once they got used to the conditions here, they were a lot better. And by the end of the season, they were a really solid pairing. And we've seen Kai Truman in pre-season, and we saw him in the end of last year play midfield. He's a centre back by trade. He's played centre back all pre-season, and he's been one of the raw standouts actually in terms of players who don't you look at as a young player coming through who could get minutes. I think he's got a good chance as well. So that that's, those four centre-backs look really strong. And also, we've talked again about young players getting a chance. Well, there's two good examples of it. Yep, absolutely. And on that as well, I just, yeah, would also like to point out that, you know, I remember um, last year, I was really worried about the way Macaulay Gillespie was looking in pre-season. But when that light bulb went off for him, he, like, he was a uh, well-deserving recipient of the Gary Wilkins medal last year. Yeah, it's actually, um, it's a bit of a surprise almost that, you know, Jamie Young was, I think, you know, was touted as the favourite to win that, but I guess they got to share it around sometimes. But look, um, yeah, look, I think this uh, centre-back pairing, I think, is a very, very solid one. I think whatever you saw from uh, Aldrin Gillespie last year, I think you can expect, you know, same if not better now with a season in these conditions under under their belt. Um, but also as well, if something were to go wrong, go wrong, you know, as far as injury or whatnot with those two. Look, Jordan, Courtney Perkins and Kai Truman are both capable of doing the job. So I think that's one area that the Raw, I think, are very, very blessed as far as, you know, sort of their strength and, you know, and, uh, you know stability. The only thing they might be sure is if they do go to the back three again at some point, only having four might leave you a bit short if there's injuries or suspension. So that might be a very small little thing, but mm. they haven't played the back three all season. So I'm pretty sure it'll only be a... a um, a plan B. Break so glass we've, in case of we've, we've, we've seen Warren Moon coach sides on MPL and like I said, yeah, it's usually, you know, the, the traditional, you know, four at the back. So, that, and that, and I think that the squad listing may be a window into that. Though. I think that's, I think the three at the back, centre-backs, I think maybe consigned to the past. And on that as well, on that as well, because I do want to move on to the next position group, the fullbacks, you do have a group of players there who probably could also fill in there in a pinch as that third centre-back if you need them to. Um, new signing Josh Brindle South gets a promotion from Lions. Congratulations to him. He had four games for Wellington from 2013 to 2015 and has been a mainstay for uh, Warren Moon at Lions. He joins Corey Brown, Jack Hingett, and Isaac Powell and the aforementioned Scott Neville. And 
overall, it's another solid group. The only concern I have about that as well is what we saw at the end of last year with the fullbacks taking on a much bigger attacking role uh, for Warren Moon and what we've seen from Brindle South and Andy Thompson at Lions. I do think the first choice is probably still going to be Hingett and Brown. However, I do have questions about how much they've been working on their attacking game this off-season. That's my major area where I think if they, you know, have just worked on improving, you know, things like crossing, even shooting, just that 5-10%, that's going to really shore up what is a big area of concern for me. I think this is almost actually the deepest area of the side. And I think you're right. Hingett and Corey Brown are the incumbents, and they will start the year, but... As Josh Brindle South gets his like fitness up to professional football standard, I'm not ruling him out taking one mm. of these spots because he has been a standout for a very long time and he's probably got the chance at Wellington a bit too soon in his career, but he's worked hard, gone back to the state leagues. As I said, worked very hard as a standout player at both firstly left back and then switching to his right back. He's a natural right back. So he can play both sides and I think he's going to have a massive impact in the season off the bench initially, but I think as... He grows into it. He could very well pressure both of those two guys. And this is a big year for Isaac Powell, actually. We saw him break through two years, a year and a half ago now. Almost by necessity. By necessity. Didn't get much of a chance last year because of they've started Conor O'Toole and the mixed mismatches at left back till Corey Brown arrived. It's a big year for him. If he if he's going to make a professional career here, he needs to put real pressure on for that left back spot. And he, he needs to take a step forward because he's still a very young player, but... At some point, you've got to go from being the young player to being a player who's pushing for a first-team spot. I think it's a big year for him to do so. And on that as well, the the most encouraging thing that I think has been uh, coming out of pre-season from this group, though, is the fact that Brindle South has been a contributor in go- with mm-hmm. in attacking pretty much every match. And I think he's scored quite a few as well. Yeah, look, I think, yeah, I, to, to Scott's point, I agree that yeah, Corey Brown, Jack Hingott, they are your, your, your first-choice um, you know, full-backs to start the season. But injury or suspension, and it may be very, very difficult for either one, whichever one drops out, um, to get that spot back. Because I think Josh Brindle South, he's shown for years at MPL level that he's really, and he's, he's above average for that level. I think, yeah, he's a, he's a tailor made A League player as, as a fullback. And yeah, I think he's going to have, you know, a very, very good season. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on, midfield. Ramadak Bari, Riku Danzaki, the one of the Japanese imports as well, the 20-year-olds, yes. Uh, Jesse Daly, who joins from Tacoma Defiance in the... Yeah, Seattle second team, basically. Yeah, Seattle Sounders second team, who just lost the MLS grand final, I think, on the weekend. Uh-huh. There you go. Went down to the Columbus crew, who defeated the New England Revolution in the semifinal, which is basically how I know about it. <laughs> um, Danny Kim, back from Lions. George Mells. He's still here, and Jay O'Shea. Yeah, this is an interesting group because it's kind of been a mixed match of players played in preseason. Jay O'Shea actually played it in the number six role against East, possibly for experience in that role, but he was much better in that position. We know he's got a great passing range, and he really could show it in this game with plenty of players ahead of him making runs forward. And I think that might actually be the way to go with Jay O'Shea. We know he's got great promise. We see him player of the year in England before he arrived. And I think League Two it was, or League One, one of the two. It's a big year for him to step forward, because I think he's going to be a, a really important part. If the Raw are going to be the side, I think we all hope and think they can be. He's going to, to be a big part of it. And Jesse Daly's almost Matt McKay-like in the fact that he just keeps running. And you need a player like that in midfield, particularly at the Raw. And I think it's a nice mix. And we know what Danny Kim has done since he's set up. He's been an absolute revelation. So I think there's some really good options in midfield there. And that doesn't even 
doesn't touch on what Riku Denzaki can do because really we don't know what he's a complete X factor, right? We, I haven't seen him play, and I don't think too many other people have either. So what he can bring could be really exciting, but we'll have to wait and see. Adam? Yeah, look, um, you bring up a point about uh, Riku Danzaki. Um, he's played only three games of J-League experience for Contadale Sapporo. And, but yeah, again, ex- complete X-factor. And you sort of, again, you, you ask, what's a 20-year-old J-League player doing in, you know, in the A-League? So it's going to be fascinating to see you know, what happens. But I think, but talking about that group as a whole, um, like you've got young players in, you know, Danny Kim, Jesse Daly, you know, Denz- the aforementioned uh, Denzaki. But I think it's up to Joe O'Shea. He needs to be the constant. He needs to be the one that, you know, has to switch on every week and be that rock of that midfield. You know, I, I likened him to a similar role to what Corona played a few years ago. That I think that that's almost that quote point guard sort of passing role. I think that I think that's where he's gonna be at home and then the, the other players are gonna sort of have to fit around him. But I think he Jarrett Shay's gonna be so important yeah. to the side this year as far as controlling that midfield. Because as we know, if you lose control of the midfield against your opposition, you're gonna to struggle to win games. And on that as well, uh, obviously you would hope that O'Shea is feeling a lot more comfortable in the A League in his second season playing in Australia as well. Um, my thoughts on it. I, I will admit I was not too keen on the acquisition of Jesse Daly, based largely on an interview or press conference we had with him when he was playing with Oceania Club of the Century South Melbourne in the FFA Cup a few years ago. But by all accounts, it sounds like he's matured quite a lot since then. And as you said, like he just does not stop running either. As for Danzaki, my big concern is promising 20-year-old Japanese youngster, or w- yeah. whatever nationality they are, 20-year-old import... Generally, they're available for one of two reasons. Either they've got massive attitude problems or massive injury problems. I really hope neither of them are true, and it's just a case of... Fan- oh, like, the Raw scouting staff have done a really good job, but we just don't know. Um, and, yeah, as you say... Yeah. Before we move on, I was going to say, Jesse Daly has worked incredibly hard as well. He was the former Raw youth captain about three or four years ago, so he knows the club has played for the club, done really well, and... Also, everything I said about Isaac Powell a minute ago, you can say the same for Ramadak Bari. It's time for him to push for some minutes as well because he's been around the squad for a while, only getting sporadic minutes here and there. It's time for him to really step forward and claim a position as well. Absolutely. And I'd say right now, for the three midfield spots, I'm curious to see how uh, Moon decides to set up that midfield because he's got a lot of attacking firepower in there as well. So you could see O'Shea as that deep-lying playmaker and probably... If it were me, I'd put Daly and Danzaki in front of him and just say, get forward and help out with the attack. But if you do need that extra screening presence, you could wind up pairing O'Shea with Danny Kim. The important thing is you're going to need depth this season because their fixtures are going to be coming thick and fast. That's where I'd go. I'd start Kim, O'Shea and and Daly, just until I see what Riku can do. Hmm. He'll probably force his way in very early, but I want to see what he can do. Definitely. All right, moving on. Final position group. Uh, the forwards, Joey Champness, Jai Ingham, Masato Kudo, uh, the 30-year-old Japanese player who has four caps for the national team, uh, Scott McDonald, the ever-present veteran, and Dylan Wenzel-Hall. So, once again, you've got... Ingham, I'm still not too sure exactly where he's going to fit into this, but essentially you've got four players for three spots there once again. So, that's a good start for me. Yeah, I think Ingham is that extra option in the wide area. We know he was probably brought in to be that last year as the plan B. They didn't use the wingers the majority of the year, but he was probably the option to do it. I think the front three that we saw up in Dolphin Stadium with Champness, Wenzel Halls and McDonald has so much promise. Just with, as we know, 
Joey C or Champness, which whatever you want to call him, has been away for the last twelve months pursuing a music career in LA, but he didn't look like he lost anything to me. He looked like he was got back into football sharpness really quickly and as that continues to grow, he could take a big step forward this year. And we've seen Wenzel Hall's under Warren Moon to back end of the year. He took a big step forward as well. And that that leaves Masato Kudo, which is, it's the big question. What is he, is he still the Japanese caliber international player we saw, or you saw back in 2015 when he was playing in the championship at the same time the Raw were? Or has he dropped away? Because if you look at his goal scoring record since his move to Vancouver in 2016, it's not, not the strongest. So he's the real question mark in terms of what does he bring to the side. But it's, it's still good to see him here because even if he doesn't bring much on the field, the experience he has, James, to be able to pass on to someone like J.O., to, um, to Dylan Matos, beg your pardon, that's, that's invaluable. Then he gets great experience from two players. Absolutely. And you, you will see probably Wenzel Hall's yeah. operating in a wider role yeah. than what we've seen him in in the past. And look, I think we were all a little bit concerned about what Champness had going back to when he signed, you know, was this just going to be a case of him picking up a paycheck until he can go back to LA and resume his music career, which from what I've heard, he's not completely awful at. So that's a you know a good sign for him being talented in two areas. But above all that as well, it seems like he's at least going to try and make the most of this because he knows that this could very well be his last, uh, last resort. And admittedly, you know, I know he didn't leave Newcastle in the best of circumstances, but I'm glad he's with the Raw. Yeah, look, um, okay, that was the one thing I, t- I took away from that uh, that game, that preseason game of Dolphins Stadium, is you know how sharp Joey Champions looked. You know, scored a hat trick. Um, they certainly weren't three tapping goals either. So he um, he really sort of you know looks like that. You know, he it looks like he hasn't missed the beat, and you know, we hope we hope nothing but the best for him because uh, I think yeah he'll be integral you know part of this attack. Just on um, the Japanese uh, Masato Kudo. That uh, 320 professional games, 106 goals. That's that's invaluable experience. That you know, no matter what, even if he hasn't played for um, a good year or so because of uh, the pandemic and you know whatever else has gone on up in Japan. Um, look, that, that that is a quality player that you just don't. You like I said, even if even if the sort of you know he's at the tail end of his career, that's still experience. You know, it's someone who's been there at the at the top at the top level. You know, in Asia, um, that even. That even him just being at the club, I think, is going to be you know massive. Absolutely. One last quick point, James. You meant, we talked about Dylan Wenzel Halls and Joey Champions. So that's huge incentive there for both these players because they're young enough to play for Australia at the Tokyo 2020 plus one Olympics next year. And a big season for either one of them could maybe push their way into Graham Arnold's plans. You never know. Absolutely. And look, the key, the key that I like about this is if someone does fail to fire, you know, say... You know, McDonald age finally catches up with yep. McDonald, which I, you know, highly doubt. Or Kudo does turn out to be well past his prime. Wenzel Halls, you know, just can't quite take yep. that next step. You've got cover there, so that that is probably the encouraging thing about this forward line. And looking at that squad as well. Now, I know you're sick of the NPL references, but we have watched quite a bit of uh, raw NPL. This season. Looking forward to this reference. Huh? Looking forward to this reference. Okay. Uh, just in the interest of uh, brevity. Pick one player from the Raw's NPL side that you think could break into the uh, A-League side by the mid-season. Well, well what I saw on Saturday, Alex Parsons might yeah. be uh, looking looking quite all right. Um, and look, so that's and that's not just based on one shot. That's yeah, you know, he he has 
he uh, was very, very good, yeah. you know, the back end of the season for the, the MPL side. I drove a lot of their success, you know, getting, you know, being a mainstay in the top top half of the ladder. So, look, I think him, but I think, you know, you guys, boys are going to talk on a couple others. I think just as much will deserve, you know, a shot, especially later in the season. Yeah, there's an extensive list you can go through. We won't. I would have said Harry Talbot, but he's injured, so you mm. scrap him from the list. I'll go Keegan Yelichich. He's been, he was played for Warren and Moon at Lions. He's done quite well for him. He's a versatile player who plays across the front third. He's had a pretty good preseason, been playing in pretty much every game for the Raw in the preseason. I think there's a good chance that you see him at some point over the season. Absolutely. Youth International as well. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Yelisic would probably have been my first choice as well, but in the interest of going for someone different, defender Hashan Ramzani. Mm. Uh, he's versatile. He can play yeah. centre-back. He can play full-back. I think that's going to be very valuable for the Raw, especially when they've got those uh, back-to-back games, midweek fixtures, and they are going to have to try he's, and rotate. He's definitely the fifth. He's a clear fifth man yeah. in that that um, the centre-back sort of um, group. And also he can, you know, if you do want to protect him a little bit, being a young player, you can put him out on the fullback spot as well. Okay, we're going to do the lightningest of lightning (laughs) rounds, uh, running through the uh, opposition squad. So Scale of 1 to 10, how happy you're not reading through all the ins and outs, by the way? Unbelievably happy. (laughs) Don't be 11. Okay, so so we're going to go through in alphabetical order. Uh, Who wants to go first? Just quickly rate him or hate him? So, Adam, Adelaide, rate him or hate him? Look, uh, this is lightning round. Yeah, lightning's going to strike twice in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm I'm on the fence with them. I think they can be solid, but uh, Tom Tommy Urich signed for them. But um, yeah, look, I think they may be just short of the finals. Okay, Scott, over to Central Coast. Uh, Laylack will turn a ton of experience. My only interest in Central Coast is you know that they've got their youth team captain Daniel Halls, a former Western Pride junior, played here in the NPL for a bit. I really hope he gets a chance for them. I just think they don't have enough experience or quality experience to be able to challenge. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, but I think they, they're going to have... If they're going to do anything this year, their young players are going to have to be unbelievable. They just don't have the experience. Fair enough. Adam, over to MacArthur. They're the new boys. Um, look, I think they're a good blend of um, experience and youth. Um, obviously, you know, Mark Milligan is going to lead that side very well. Adam Federici, back on home soil. But uh, also as well, they've got um, a decent number of um, visa players. You know, Matt Derbyshire... Uh, Markel Suseta, uh, who played last year for Melbourne City, I think he's going to be good, and a couple of other Loic lo- Puyos. So, um, yeah, look, I think they can go all right. There we go. Scott, Melbourne City. He didn't mention Ben yet, the best of the MacArthur players. Oh, but, of course, yeah. But with Mel- <laughs> Melbourne City, I think that they're going to be really strong. It looks like they've improved once again. I wonder, just wonder how important Asian Champions is going to be to them. They've strengthened to that end, but they've got... Um, Andrew Naboot and Ben Grucho added to what was already a really, really strong group. I think they're going to be a big contender again. Okay, over to Melbourne Victory, Adam. Yeah, look, I think um, a repeat of last season just not acceptable for them. Um, I think they've recruited well. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down to, I think uh, Robbie Cruz and uh, Marco Rojas are going to have to really sort of step it up. Um, but I think also their, their English connection of, um, of Butterfield McManaman and Rudy Gested. So okay. they've really sort of um, beefed up. So I think it's, it's a typical victory sort of uh, rebound after a bad season. Scott, you've Sorry. got a joke you want to make about Melbourne victory quickly. Uh, do they have any original ideas? Well, clearly not, but no. what are you talking about? Uh, does they keep copying ideas from other clubs that tried 12 months ago. I do like Ben Falami for them, by the way. He looks a good oh, player. Yes. But Scott... As for Newcastle, they're just a mess. They're yeah. a mess. I mean, they, they have an interim coach 
in Craig Deans, who had the same role four years ago for a brief period of time. So he's got some A-League experience, but they've got an interim coach. They've got a whole bunch of holes in their squad, which they haven't been able to fill because of the ownership situation. And they've got a couple of key players like Steve Ugarkovich and Bernie Abini, who seem to be angling to get out of the place. Who would have thought? Is there, I, I know they did got a draw against the Raw at the weekend, but I just don't see... I don't see how they can contend this year. They're, they're a mess. Unless... unless... Craig Deans or whoever they do bring in does decide to just go for the big us-against-the-world mentality. And that could be enough to spare them the wooden yeah. spoon. You never know. And look, they do still have some talent on that team as well. Adam, over to Perth. Yeah, look, it's going to be an uh, interesting season for them. Um, Andy Keogh's back for him after spending a year in the uh, local MPL uh, there. Look, I think it'll be interesting to see how they sort of recover after, obviously, uh, Tony Popovich leaving for Greece. Uh, Richard Garcia comes in. Look, they're gonna, I think they're going to um, probably miss the finals. I that's sort of, that's my feeling. They've got they've got a solid team, but whether they've got the firepower to mix it with some of the others. There we go. Castro, right? Make your joke. You made me make my joke. You make yours. Yeah, I just don't think Castro will be enough. I think. Oh yeah. Make your joke. Okay. Yes, and Perth shockingly will have to play some away matches this season instead of having them all in <laughs> Perth, just despite the request of Tony Sage. Okay. Um, Sydney FC, Scott. Quick, we'll just keep this very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, they're still the benchmark side of the competition. They've lost Lafondra, so maybe there's a question about goals. It's probably a bit of a referendum on, referendum on Trent Bahadja if he can be that ten goal a year striker. If he can, if he can fill that hole, or they fill it with some other way, they're still Sydney. They've got, they've lost nothing else other than Lafondra. They're still the best team in the league, unfortunately. Okay, the Wellingong Knicks, Adam. The Wellingong Knicks. Look, I think um, they're a dark horse. Um, I think, I think what the question will be whether playing away from home for so long until the two-way bubble opens up, where they can actually play um, back in the Kiwi capital. Uh, they've got some great players and some great recruiting. Uh, Ulysses Davia's back, um, and also as well the Israeli uh, player Toma. I think he's going to be very, very interesting. Next, uh, so it's Western Sydney, and I think. There's been a lack of squad change. I mean, I picked up Carl Robinson. He was a hand-picked coach from Newcastle Jets to fill the void there. They've been in a bit of a just in a bit of just a state of nothing for the last couple of years. Western Sydney, with a sense that they've been a decent side without being a great one. I'm not sure it changes as much. I know they got Troisi this week, but they're heavily relying on the kids to me. And they've they say they've got one of the best nurseries of young players in the country. It's time one or two of them actually stepped up and became something more than just squad players. Definitely. And finally, Western United, Rudan FC. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see if um, Alessandro Diamante is going to still have the influence he did last season. Uh, if he can, along with Bessup Risha and, and co, um, a big signing in uh, Victor Lopez. I think I think they'll still be in it, but I think, yeah, it's it all comes down to whether Diamante can still be the top player that we know he is. Ageing, James. They're ageing. They've, yep. they've got a lot of senior players through the spinal-led team. It was, it was an old squad that's just gotten older. Okay, that's our A-League preview. 48-plus minutes all up for that. So thanks for sitting through it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the W-League right after this on the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Okay, welcome back everyone to the Brisbane Raw Senior Season Preview here on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you 11 days before the 2021 season kicks off, Senior Season kicks off, and now we're going to go into our W League Preview, and we're going to run through what has been 
an interesting season uh, off-season for the W League. Obviously, there's been a Matilda's exodus in 2020 with a lot of them making their way over to Europe with suddenly those clubs over there starting to care about women's football. What exodus? What's he talking about? Scott, you've got to fix up your microphone again. Okay. We didn't hear that. <laughs> I was just like, what exodus? What are you talking about? That joke was funny the first time. I know. I've seen plenty of Matildas being signed. What are you talking about? Well, some well, of them, like Hayley Rasso, have left. Brisbane have got three or four Matildas. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Either way. Um, I honestly think this is a really good season to get excited about from the Raw W League perspective as well, because they've assembled a pretty damn good side. And with the post-World Cup hosting rights announcement, is, there's quite a lot of momentum for the game here. Yeah, look, I think and it's a very important year. Like, the, obviously, with with the um, the top Matildas, sort of the exodus to those that did leave, and even some that sort of haven't come back, um, there was fears about what this this season's W League is going to be. But look, I actually think it's going to be very exciting because I think you're not you're not going to be sort of you know hanging on the promotion or the actual sort of you know the attention on the league on a Sam Kerr or a Caitlin Ford. Uh, and whatnot, and while while they're great and all that, and they said we'll get plenty of time to you know lord them their performances over the next few years, especially on home turf for the 2023 World Cup. Um, it's good to see the next generation get an opportunity. I think you know this is going to be a season where names that we probably haven't associated with um, women's football in Australia, I think actually are going to put their names up in lights. Yeah, I agree with that. You look at the last couple of years; it's been heavily Matilda's dominant as who wins the competitions. Melbourne City had the whole range of Sydney FC did as well, and. Okay, Brisbane have a lot still, but they were—they're the two sides who tended to dominate. And now, I think you are going to see the the, the next wave coming through—the young players who have been in and around the periphery of squads for a while get opportunities. I think you're going to see more players have to step up into those roles. The players who were the stars and the leaders of teams, the players who were just behind that—they're going to have to step into those roles as well. So it's going to create a greater talent pool for the national team to really build towards that 2023 World Cup. And I do expect a bit of a a boost in interest because of that, James. I think it's I think it's absolutely going to happen for sure. I mean, we know W League crowds have been on the up anyway, particularly here in Brisbane, where they've got a great following with the Rawcore who get behind them every game and create a great atmosphere for them, and the crowds have been building nicely. I think that's going to continue to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, uh, so the Raw's W League training base has moved to Lions Stadium at Richlands after the departure from Logan. They'll play three games at Lions and three at Dolphins, and I actually got a memory uh, from two years ago where we attended a very, very, very wet game against Melbourne Victory oh, at Lions Stadium. What a game that was. <laughs> that was insane. That was insane. And yeah, so um, three home games. The first one is Sunday the 3rd of January at Lions Stadium. Thursday the 7th uh, at Dolphin. 31st of January at Lions. 12th of February at Lions. That's a Friday night game. Thursday night up at Dolphin and th- Thursday 25th of February at Dolphin and the 25th of March up at Dolphin. That one's a 5pm kickoff against Canberra United, so you might have to uh, take off early to beat the traffic up there. You might. But to rebate the first half of the season is basically at Lions and towards the end of the year it's at Dolphin. And three of the first four, as you mentioned, are at Lions. Presumably as Lions get their season, yeah. get their pitch ready for yeah. the NPL season. Um, quick, uh, quick touch on the preseason results. 2-1 loss to the NPL Queensland All-Stars. As mentioned earlier in the show, that was a shell of a Raw team with a bunch of trialists who, who weren't actually 100% sure who was going to fill out the Raw squad until the morning of the match. Well, just to give people context, no Katrina Gorry, no Claire Polkinghorne, no Tamiki Yallop, no Liv Chance, no Emily Gielnick. So all the senior players that we're going to talk about in the future, none of them played that Saturday afternoon up there in, in Redcliffe. 
Yes. So it was very much the locally based players. Yeah, and some of the uh, fringe players from the NPL competition that they did want to uh, give a chance to. And yeah, they did also apparently have a friendly on Saturday that wasn't publicised at all at one point against a football Brisbane team. Yeah, yeah, uh, Brisbane Women's Premier League select side that uh, if anyone could tell us what the result was, would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> just to, if if for, if for nothing else, just for fact finding. But um, but yeah, that happened while we were all at the uh, at the State v State at Perry Park on which, that day, which was an awesome event. It both was. the women's and the men's games being decided on penalties. But yeah, I, and also I do think like that NPL All-Star team, that was a very, very motivated side getting to play quite a few familiar faces as well. And and a few players, including a certain American striker for the NPL All-Stars who were looking to make a bit of a point. Absolutely. It was a very, very strong NPL Queensland All-Stars select side, which ended up beating New South Wales on penalties. So we've, and we've seen how great they played. So I do think it was a really good test for them. And we'll hear from Jake Goodchip in a moment. He was... He was almost wishing that game was this weekend in terms of what a great test it was for his side. Absolutely. And uh, they do have one friendly to play uh, this Saturday evening at Lions Stadium at Richland. They're playing Eastern Suburbs. As you mentioned, you guys spoke to Jake Goodship up at Dolphin Stadium. And let's see what he had to say there. Uh, Jake Goodship, the coach of the Brisbane Royal W League team. Jake, thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for coming. How, first of all, how's the off-season been? Um, yeah, difficult as always in the W League. Um, we've had uh, a week for the training now, um, end of the week of the game. But the prior two weeks before that, we've had the young players in, they've been fantastic. We've been delivering uh, small group sessions and individual sessions. So yeah, it's been, it's been good to get to know the young players. Um, so your second full pre-season, how, how's that, how things going with that? So fantastic, yeah, to be fair. Behind the scenes, the environment we've set, the, the facilities, the support, backroom staff we've got. Um, a real step up and a real difference to last year. We've had some great feedback already from players, so yeah, well. Um, obviously, um, missed out on finals last year, but obviously there's some also some good moments. How, how much have you learned from that, that last campaign? Yeah, a lot. I think you know, myself individually. I've had uh, a couple of great learning moments. Victory at home, first game, Perth away. Uh, everything else, you know, we didn't underperform. I think we underachieved. You look at the stats. Our stats are very, uh, they stack up against us really well. Um, they're positive. We scored the most goals in the W League that the Cubs scored. We've had the most corners in the league, we've had the most shot, uh, shots on target, so loads of positives to take into this season and hopefully improve upon that. The loads are positive. We've also got a lot of players in this season, eight from the NPL Queens, and we know we've seen you out a lot of the grounds. And how important is it for the club to connect with players like that and give them the opportunity? And can you tell us about a couple of those players? Yeah, brilliant. So I think the opportunity for players uh, to see the pathway and, and, and feel the pathway is huge, not just for now, but for future generations and future players, because if they can't see that pathway, we're not doing our job as a club or as a professional club in Queensland. So. You know, being out of the ground, not just myself, but staff um, and trusted personnel as well that, that send me clips and videos and, and reports. But, you know, we've got Billy Murphy, you know, obviously Winnie Heatley's had an exceptional year uh, um, as well. So bringing them in for the yeah, Meryl Hecke, obviously top goal scorer. Uh, she's been unbelievable for the last two years. So to give them the opportunity to, to shine, I think it'll be fantastic for the local game. Although there is an A-League trial game on behind you, behind up. You signed a couple of players from first of all, Tisha McKenna and Morgan Aquino, along with Luke Chance from over in England. Yep. How is it for those players? What do you think they can bring to the side? Yeah, I think the Tisha only played half, half a game tonight. She's um, you know, a lot of work to do to get to the level required physically that we want to play. Um, but she's excited. She's a good young player. She's played 25 games and she's 18. Uh, she played in the final. Uh, I think she got the assist for Sam Kerr as well in that game. 
um, and Olivia Chance played at the last World Cup, played in three games in New Zealand. So they're going to come in and, and, and bring that experience as well. We've known they're young, yeah. and Olivia's only 26, um, but we're excited for them in. Doing experience, there's a lot of experiences left, including a whole host of materials. But you guys retain a fair few. How important is that going to be for your side to have that experience and quality on the field that other sides might not have? Yeah, I think it's a credit to the club to attract Matilda still. Obviously, the W the way it's been. Uh, for us to still attract Matildas and the environment and the culture is the reason behind that. Um, so you're very lucky and when they come back in, you know, we'll be excited to watch again. Um, three, three home games here at Dolphin Stadium, three at Lions. How's that, as far as your preparation goes, trying to sort of prepare you know, for different home grounds? Yeah, well, we, we train at Lions full time. Um, so we're out on their pitch um, every day, twice a day sometimes. We do two sessions a day. So that's unbelievable preparation. And, and nights like tonight, having a, a pre-season game at Dolphin, run through the processes and the structure of how we want to do a pre-game, get the nerves out early as well from the players. It, it's the best preparation you can have. Um, obviously, looking ahead to the new season, what were your expectations? Uh, better than last year uh, in terms of uh, where we finished on the table but we have high expectations we're Brisbane Rock one of the biggest clubs people always say Sydney and Melbourne and Melbourne teams but I think Brisbane Rock has got a great history in their W League we always produce Matildas we always achieve uh, high results so the same again this year we expect to be in the top yep and one final question obviously uh, season starts December 28 down Newcastle looking forward to it yeah it's going to be a tough game um, they're at their favourite ground they get a good following there They'll be hostile, it'll be quite tough, and they'll be hard to break down. Um, they'll be hard working, so it's a tough first game. They drew last year, Melbourne City, first game of the season, so you know they're not no easy beats. But we're looking forward to it. Thanks, Jake, for your time, and, and best of luck Thank for you. the season. Cheers, guys. Thanks for your time. Okay, that was Jake Goodship there, who, um, once again, thanks for his time up at Dolphin Stadium after what well, was a pretty good test for his the younger players in his side there. Been quite a few signings as well, but we'll go through the departures as we did with the A-League team. Mackenzie Arnold's gone to West Ham, Riley Bayes to North Carolina Courage, Celeste Barrier, FC Fleury 91, Shea Connors is back in the NPL women's and was that motivated American striker who scored a brace in both NPL All-Star I games. I, I'm stunned that she still hasn't yeah. got that. You and me both. Contract. I, I said she, and like I said, what, what more has she had to show? So, look, there's still time, but I'm shocked at the calls haven't come through Proved yet. a point up in Redcliffe, that's for oh, sure. Yeah. And again at Perry Park. Yep. Uh, Leah Davidson has gone to City. Elise Cullen Knight has gone to Europe. Christian Stards. Yeah. Christian Stards, thank you. Holly Palmer has gone to City. Hayley Rasso has gone to the blue half of Merseyside, Everton. Nah. And Alira Toby has gone to Sydney FC. Not mentioned India Page Riley also gone. I don't think I listed her. But she's over in Denmark. Yes. Yep. Well, she left during last season, yep. so I already covered that technically. I guess that's what I'm sticking with. Um, the squad as it stands, uh, we'll run through that the same way we did with the yeah. uh, men's team and just quickly give our overall thoughts on the position. It's a pretty decent uh, pair of goalkeepers, Morgan Aquino and Georgina Worth. Worth was the NPL uh, women's yeah. goalkeeper of the season. Absolutely. Congratulations to Georgina for picking up that award. This is probably the most uncertain position in the raw lineup in the sense that you've got two players who've been career backups to date. In the W League, Georgina Worth's been the backup here in Brisbane, obviously, and I think we'll probably get the first crack at the position, but Morgan Aquino coming over from Perth as well, they're back up for a long period of time. So you've got two young goalkeepers here who will be fighting pretty hard to get a spot in the side this year. And that could be what we saw similar uh, in the A-League side a few years ago with Jamie Young and Michael Theo pushing one another. Yeah, look, that's all we can hope uh, for. Yeah, I think Georgina Worth does is, is the number one, I think, at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, 
you're not you're not going to lose much from Morgan Aquino. You know, a, a young Matilda, and certainly comes here with lots of regard. It's just I think yeah, just if the opportunity comes, you did back it to um, you back it to sort of you know take the opportunity. She did look a bit shaky against um, the All Stars, but again, that might be more of unfamiliar unfamiliar sort of, you know, defenders to, to be around. Um, look, depend, when we read this list of defending group, I think you'll have no problems. Either I think either keeper, I think we're very, very comfortable with the defence in front of them. Yes, and also keeping in mind that I get the feeling that uh, Clash against the NPL All-Stars was the first time they might have introduced themselves to one another as teammates as well, or very early on in that meeting process. She wasn't alone in that either, yeah. yes. being a bit uncomfortable. Yes, definitely. Okay, defenders. Billy Murphy, signed from Capalaba. Jamila Rankin, uh, young player. Caitlin Torpy from Capalaba as well. Claire Polkinghorne, Kim Carroll, and Winnie Heatley, who spent the NPL season with Lions. Absolutely. Now, they're the players that we put down there as defense, but you can sum up this whole raw squad in one word, which is versatility. You've got Caitlin Torpy, can play right back, right wing. You've got Rebecca Horsey, signed today, can play defense on midfield. Isabel Dalton can play right back or center mid. We'll get to the live chance to make a gallop in a minute, but they can play midfield or front third. So if you look at it, there's real versatility there. And in that back four, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I'll start with the centre-backs in terms of you've got Claire Bolkenhorn, I think we all accept he's going to be the, the captain, captain and will play every game and could rack up 150 appearances as soon as round 10. So fingers crossed that happens for Claire. Her partner will be very interesting. Will it be younger Winnie Heatley or Kim Carroll, who they've played together in the past? Well, I think that's going to be... A really interesting one. I think obviously Jamila Rankin will play at left back. We saw her get a debut in the final round last year. Right back's the interesting one. Will they go will they go with Isabel Dalton who did a decent job last year? Will they go with a more attacking option of Caitlin Torpy? I think there's some that's the that's another question about which way they go. I think I know both of you don't regard Caitlin Torpy as a good defender, but I think she can I play never that said role. That. You have said that. You can clarify no. in a minute, but that's what I've I never said what, that she's let not me a finish defender. and you can clean it in a minute. But <laughs> it seems like that's the way into there, a 50-50, but it just, it sums it up that there's a real versatility there, but there's, that back four is quality no matter which way it lines up, because we saw, to finish off, we saw Winnie Heatley play MPLW this year, and I thought she was the best defender in that competition, and it'd be a great way for her to learn growing into the W League to partner, partner the probably the best defender Australia's got in Claire Balkenhorn. Okay, very, very quickly, because we do want to keep this going, we know this is going yes, to be defend our... defend yourselves, go ahead. This is going to be, a ve- this is already going to be our very longest podcast by mm-hmm. quite a long way. Um, I would say Caitlin Torpy, having seen how Hanno used her at Capalabar this season as that attacking right-sided player, I think that's where she is best suited to play. And, you know, she can pop up with a key goal here and there. Kim Carroll, I think, is going to start as Claire Polkinghorne's partner, especially as Heatley just recovers from what has been a very gruelling NPL campaign. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if by around six or seven, Heatley is making her way into the starting lineup. And also, I wouldn't rule out Billy Murphy playing on that right side as well if they yeah. go for a much more solid. Uh, did she defensive... play centre back up in Redcliffe? She did, didn't she? she? Was playing centre back. I think she did. Yeah, by, but I think it was by sort of um, necessity. By necessity, yeah. yeah, yeah. But just uh, quickly on that, uh, look, I, I think I think Caitlin Torpy can do a decent job at right back. I just prefer her as a right winger. But as far as that, I think, look, I think it's, it's all interchangeable. I think the, what's, we know that Claire Polkinghorne's going to be that, that rock of a centre-back. We, we know that for certain. Kim Carroll brings experience. Yeah. Winnie Heatley can play at left-back. but So that could also... So it might be her and Jamila Rankin. Jamila Rankin, exceptional prospect, you know, in that left-back role. Probably one, of the, probably one of the rising, you know, prospects as far as in you know, Australian women's football. 
Um, so, so yeah, look, I think it's very interchangeable. So it'll be interesting to see how Jake Goodchip lines it up. But I think, you know, especially early on, I think my big experience weighs out over sort of youth. And then once season gets along, then we'll see how we go. I can't believe that's the one thing I've said so far that's really triggered the pair of you. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's another player that actually has departed from last season as well, Nat Tatham, who is much go. better suited to a central midfield role instead of playing fullback as well. Following that well-trodden pass. Yep, yep of course. Victory, you know, can't think of anything else original, so they've got to sign uh, Brisbane players. Okay, midfield. Adam McGrath, Letitia McKenna, Liv Chance, Isabel Dalton, Rebecca Horsey, Katrina Gorey, and Tamiki Yallop. <laughs> Good luck picking a starting three out of that. Yeah, I really like this midfield mix. It seems to have pretty mm. much everything you would want. It's got experience, it's got youth, it's got attacking options, it's got defensive options. And I think up until today, the question marks me was who would play in that number six role. But I think the signing of Rebecca Horsey, who played up in Redcliffe as the number six, I think that really solves that problem. I think it's a really, really good group. And it's probably the strength of this side in terms of you look at the, what other teams have lost around the league. For the Raw to be able to potentially pick a midfield three of Gorry, Yallop, and Chance, that's three that's, that's, that's three internationals. Three, three absolutely quality players as well. And then you've got some good depth players as well in and around that who could quite easily start and do a good job. It's it's a really, really good group of midfielders. Absolutely. And also there is quite a bit of talent up front as well. Uh, Emily Gilnick, uh, Sean Fryer and Mariel Hecker both signed from uh, the NPL, as, ha- as was Rosie Sutton, who spent the season with Easts. Yeah, look, um, again, so with the midfield and the forwards, like I said, it's almost an interchangeable group almost because we saw Anna McGrath, you know, play up front for Logan uh, this season as well. So, and, you know, also to make a yelp, you know, she could she could also play in that front line, but look, uh, Emmy, Emily Gilnick, you know, that's that's a big signing. Um, to come back, it's probably and probably the, probably the sign that you know I'm probably most excited about to see, you know, back in the raw fold. But look, I think you know, as far as and without spoiling our predictions and all that, Meryl Hecker, watch out. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. You said you're more excited about seeing Emily Gilnick return, and I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm most excited about seeing what Meryl Hecker can do on the national stage in the W because we've seen for the last couple of years. What an unbelievable player Mariel Hecker is for Lions was the key reason why that side won three trophies in the last four, what two, one premiership, two grand finals. An unbelievable player playing anywhere in that front third. She could, she will be a massive, massive factor in this season, particularly given the fact that I don't think too many W teams are going to know anything about her, uh, which that- makes her a real <laughs> dangerous X factor for the Raw here. And I think she's going to have a massive, massive season. So I think that's the thing I'm most excited about with this team. If if they haven't heard of her, then they're clearly not watching the Football Queensland highlights mm. every weekend because she's featured pretty much <laughs> yeah. every week. Well, I know I know the Southern Journos seem to be oblivious to her talents. So, um, so yeah, look, I think it's I think yeah, I think that's the that's the wild card in it all. I I will admit I'm a little bit more uh, I suppose cautious yeah. on what we're going to get from Hecker, especially early on in the season because she is a player that has. Yeah battled injuries uh, in her time at Lions. So I wouldn't be surprised if she actually takes a month or two just to get settled in the W League as well, because it is obviously a higher standard than what uh, she's used to, frankly, dominating in the uh, NPL for Lions as well. So I think it is going to be a little bit of an adjustment for her. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she actually starts as a substitute. The Enrique role. I was about to say she starts yeah. in the Enrique role and I think very quickly moves into a starter, but that's where she starts off at. The other signing that... I'm also admittedly quite excited about, but also a little bit, I was a little bit surprised by it, was Sean Fryer. Yeah. Solely because 
and you know, nothing against her as a player. I think her her sister Lainey Fry is actually the better one of the two of them, and they're both phenomenal talents. But given the choice, I probably would have signed Lainey in a vacuum. However, looking at the way this uh, squad has been constructed, Sean actually might be a better fit to this raw side as well because she's a natural wide player on the right as well. Yes, exactly. And just looking at the raw midfield where Lainey tends to play as that attacking midfield center forward type role. They've got quite a few options for that already, and yeah. perhaps Laney Fry will need another season just to learn a little bit more and develop as a player. Uh, whereas, you know, Sean could wind up uh, playing quite a key role early on. We did see Laney trial for the Raw in that game up at Dolphin Stadium as well. But yeah. that's just my thought on that forward line. Laney certainly gets all the headlines given her goal scoring record, but they're both, job point, unbelievable talents. Absolutely. I think um, Sean Fry did get sent off for saying a naughty word at one point earlier in the season as well. So I might just have to watch that. <laughs> I think we can work around that. We can make that work. Yeah, I think, she, and it was in a uh, it was a win over Morton Bay, and she missed the game I did Heath versus the Gap out at uh, Heath Park, which I think mm. finished five nil to fi- yeah, finished five nil oh, to uh, yes, we covered the game, and yeah, that was over very very quickly. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I should we talk about the opposition here as well, just briefly. Okay, look, I I don't think we can really sugarcoat yeah. this based on what we've talked about this raw side as well. We think they're going to be title contenders. Who yes. is the biggest threat? I think you're looking at the same old, same. Old. I think Sydney FC they've lost their materials, but they've already they've always had a strong squad of players, even without their materials. I think they're going to be a major threat. And keep an eye on Melbourne Victory as well. They've got. Lisa Devanna and Jenna McCormick coming in to strengthen the spine of their sides. Still coached by the great Jeff Hopkins, so they're 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 the two teams I look at and think they're the teams to keep an eye on. Biggest Je- threat. Jenna McCormick's actually over the other. Sorry, side. she is. You're correct. My mistake. <laughs> but, Apologies. Um, yeah, look, I I actually think she I'm, was I'm victory last year. That's I'm confused. She was, yes. Um, look, I actually think yeah, Melbourne Victory are the, are the biggest threat. Um, as as you mentioned, Lisa Devanna coming back um, is a is a big addition. Uh, but also as well, they they're young players as well. Um, the Kyra Cooney Cross comes back from um, Western Sydney Wanderers. She's she's an exceptional talent, and also as well um, Maya Markovsky, a uh, young player that you know is very very highly you know, touted as far as player. But it doesn't stop there. The, the experience they've got, the you know, likes of uh, an Amy Jackson, the aforementioned Nellie Tatham. I think you know she'll. You know, I think she'll see, she'll see it as well, and a couple of sort of internationals as well. So uh, Gabby Garten and uh, Catherine Zimmerman as well. So. So it's going to be an interesting side, but I think also Melbourne City and Sydney FC is also going to be in the fight. Can I just point out, I'm feeling really underprepared. Adam's got pages and pages of notes. I'm just working off the run sheet here. So, so you're was the I. host. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look, I can't add anything more to what yeah. you guys have said there. So It's pretty standard for W, isn't it? You can yes. pretty much tip who the contenders are and who aren't. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up this segment here, and then we're going to come back with our season predictions. And, uh, yeah, just look ahead to the campaign to come right here on the Brisbane Football Review. Okay, we are coming to the end of this marathon Brisbane Raw A-League, W-League season preview here on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam, and we're all getting hungry, so I promise we will keep this final segment fairly brief. Um, Basically, to lead this off, I wanted to start off with, well, for lack of a better phrase, you know, a FaceTime equivalent from around the horn, as Adam put it in the break there. Um, yeah, so basically, what are the what's one big storyline that we're all looking forward to each uh, for the season to come? It can be A-League, W-League, Raw-related, 
whatever. Adam, I'm going to give you the floor first. Yeah, look, I think the biggest question I have is that, you know, with this season, both A-League and W-League, about, I guess it's transition, because I think 2021, with everything that's gone on with the pandemic, looking at 2022, where potentially you're going to have the A-League and the W-League go up against, um, you know, the big, the big football codes. And I think from, from a, I guess, national, national-wise, since we've covered that, but even more for, the, for Brisbane Raw, I think especially that they need to be need to be very, very careful not to get complacent and sort of keep trumping out this, oh, we're the only professional team in town line because the conventional thought would be, oh well, if if it's if it clashes with also as well at the bottom end with the MPL, will everyone abandon their local clubs to support the Raw? And I think they might want to be very, very careful about you know trying to predict the answer because I think that especially as we saw with the NPL season at the back end, I think that there's still a lot of loyalty to the local clubs. So I think they need to be very, very careful in their marketing as well as their attitude towards sort of the local community as well because if they get complacent, it could be even bigger disaster than what be, would be then the whole league is facing trying to fight off you know, the NRL and AFL. Absolutely. My big question was, we haven't talked about it yet with the A-Leagues, and that's that they're back in Asian Championship. We know they finished fourth last year, but Wellington was third and can't participate for obvious reasons. So... The Raw find themselves back in the playoff round, though, which could begin, this is also confirmed, but it could begin as early as January the 19th, and then they would potentially play on the 26th and the 2nd of February. And should that be a priority? And, sh- and if it's not a priority, how big of a distraction could it be? Because we know if it's, there are overseas games, the Raw would have to do 14 days of hotel quarantine. And if it's like the last time I had to do that, they would not be able to train, which could mean three or four weeks of no league fixtures. But... I think this is something that the Raw really do need to look at. We know that they haven't had the best of luck in Asia for a whole sort of reasons, but I think it's something they really have to go for. If this, if it does happen, and we don't know if because of the pandemic they're going to change the way it's all qualified, maybe they'll just go straight to a group stage or something. But the Raw being back in Asia, anytime you're in that competition, I think you've got to go for it. And so I think that's a really big question mark of if they do go for it, and if they do, how big of an impact will it have on their league schedule and also how they perform in the league. So I think that's a really big question mark about the season going ahead. Yep, more than fair. Okay, my big storyline that I'm following this season is the move to Dolphins. Because let's be honest, we've all enjoyed our trips out there to date, whether it's been for pre-season friendlies, FFA Cup, A-League matches. It's been a good novelty, but for 13 A-League games plus three W-League games, will the novelty wear off and will the crowds continue to flock? Now... Look, 7,000 there, which is what they, which is the low end of the crowds they were getting at Suncorp over the last couple of years. You know, seven and a half, eight thousand at Dolphin Stadium is going to be, is going to look a lot better. It's going to sound a lot better. It's going to probably be just a significantly better atmosphere. But if we've learned one thing about sporting crowds, not just in Brisbane, not just you know in Australia, but generally, it's a very, very fickle fan base. And this isn't something that's just exclusive to Brisbane. It's something that the Raw, as you said before, Adam, they have to be very conscious of as well. They need results. They need to give people a reason to say, all right, I'm going to make the trip out over the bridge. I'm going to go over there and make the effort to go see the Raw play. Because let's be honest, if they have a season like they did two years ago, three years ago, where they just cannot like pick up the wins, you're going to be looking at probably 3,000 people showing up to a lot of those games on the back end of the season, if that. Now, look, I'm not too worried overall about memberships because, what, uh, say they had seven, 8,000 season ticket holders last year. 
I, you know, think what you retain half of that, you'll probably pick up another couple of thousand mm. people just in the area, even if it is just the five game memberships. You're going to you're going to at least have the draw there because there probably are a few people who live on the north side. We've heard quite a lot about the south side perspective, but there are people who do live in that sort of Moreton Bay region, yep. Pine Rivers, and everything who have said, "I can't get to Suncorp for 13 home games a season." But now that it's a 20-minute drive out to Redcliffe or whatever, I you know don't trust my geographical knowledge exactly there. But you got a bunch of people who might say, okay, when I went to one or two games at Suncorp, I can now go to five or six games out at Dolphin. But above all else, the Raw have to give people a reason to go. Make the match day experience worthwhile. Make it, like, encourage people to make a day of it because the you know Morton Bay Tourist Board will probably appreciate that as well. <laughs> member of which is sitting right there. <laughs> but overall, yeah, you need to win. This is putting an awful lot of pressure on the squads because above all else, you need to go and play the sort of football that people will want to go and see. It was great seeing them get results under Robbie Fowler last year, but I think we can all accept that wasn't the most exciting brand of football. We need to see the Raw playing much better, like scoring goals, generating highlights, and to be honest, doing their bit to promote the A and W leagues in this region. That's all I'm going to have to say about that. Now we're going to move on to our season predictions. We're going to start off with the Raw W League predictions. Scott, who's going to be your player of the year? Claire Polkengon, yet again. Adam? Emily Gilnick. I'm going to uh, say Claire Polkinghorn. I wish I could. I, I, I tried to go creative there, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, player to watch, I think we yeah. all know who it's, we're going It's Mario Hecker, surely, isn't it? Yep, Mario Hecker. I'm going to go a little bit different and say her Lions teammate, Winnie Heatley. I. So I've been very impressed since the first time I saw her in person. Four lines against Gold Coast United in a draw last season where she just absolutely dominated that game as a very young player. I think that's going to be one to watch. And finally, the golden boot, uh, Gilnick. 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 Well, that and, yeah, better and, be. And just score, because I'm not sure where else yeah. gonna, there's going to be too many goals. She needs to really, you know, find, you know, seven or eight goals. Sutton, Fryer, Hecker. They're all... Yeah proven goal scorers themselves. You need so. 20 goals out of the four of them. Yeah. I think you're going to need 25. That's possible too. All right, anyone want to raise 25? No? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, for the W League, we're going to give our ladder predictions now. Scott, do we want to start with you? Okay, so Newcastle, bottom of the ladder, I haven't seen anyone have announced, so they're in ninth, Adelaide 8th, Perth in 7th, Canberra 6th, Melbourne City 5th, just missing out on the top four of Melbourne Victory 4th. West Sydney third, Sydney FC second, and I'm going with Brisbane number one. With the roster they've got, they should be the clear favourites with the team they've got, and I think they'll win the Premiership, James. Okay. Adam? All right. My my uh, lower predictions in ninth, Newcastle, eight, Perth, seventh, Adelaide, six, Canberra, five, Western Sydney, four, Sydney FC, three, Melbourne City, two, Melbourne Victory, and I also agree that I think it's Brisbane Raw's year. I want to veto that Sydney FC in fourth. I don't want to see them in the semi-finals again. Hey, <laughs> like, so this is a premiership by like, finals. My policy is, yep. who knows? Roll it up. Ro- just yep. roll it all out. Okay, uh, my W League ladder. I've got Newcastle in ninth place, so making that unanimous. Canberra, Adelaide, Perth, Western Sydney. That's uh, the teams that will miss the finals. Melbourne City in fourth, just purely because of their resources. Melbourne Victory in third, Brisbane Raw in second, Sydney FC win the Premiership. However, I'm going to say that Brisbane Raw hosts Melbourne City in the grand final and the Raw win. We are keeping that audio. If that happens, I'll give you a standing ovation on the show. 
Which is great because oh. it's an audio medium. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just clap into my microphone. But, yeah. Well, look, I'm nothing if not optimistic. We know that. Although we did, were all quite high on the rule last season and things just didn't quite go to plan. Okay. Over to the A-League. So the Raw's Player of the Year, Adam, your tip is... Jay O'Shea. Jay wow. O'Shea. Yep. I think if they're going to have a good year, it's going to yep. have to be him in midfield. So yep. that's why I've got him as Player of the Year. If he wants to be different, I'll go for Tom Aldred. If he wants to be different. I'm going. I'm actually going to say that it's going to be Scott McDonald. I think, and he is also going to be my tip for the Golden Boot, which we'll go into next. Um, just because I honestly think that he's going to probably be the one who is going to lead from the front here, and I could see him easily getting fourteen or fifteen goals on the season. Yeah. Okay. He's also my tip for Golden Boot, by the yeah, way, Scott same, McDonald. I think same, he's the most proven of the number nines that I've got. Same, same, but look, I also hope that you know Masato Kudo. Fingers crossed that he's semblance of the player that. You know, he, his uh, resume shows. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, moving on from that, the one to watch. Joey Chapmas. If he can show what he did in that game up there in Redcliffe, I think he is absolutely the Raw's X Factor and one to watch. Uh, for me, Josh Brindle South. Yep. I'm going to go Riku Danzaki. I think if he has anything resembling the promise that he's shown, for me, he's going to be the player that... For me, he's going to be the player that could make or break the Raw's campaign. If he fires and turns into even, say, 70% of what Thomas Broich is got, like could have been for the Raw, that could be enough to get them over the line and turn them from what I think is a solid finals contender into a premiership contender. So that's where I'm landing on that. And then final predictions on the ladder. Adam, you've been leading off the A-League one, so we're going okay, to keep yeah. going with you. All right, in... In 12th place. Yes, because we do have 12. Yeah, sorry, I've actually written down 11. Uh, no, that's I know where. So in 12th place, I think it'll be Newcastle. Um, 11th will be Central Coast Mariners. So switch over there. The F3, the F3 Derby, yeah. Yes. Um, in 9th, Western United, I think that their squad might be a little bit too old. I think, um, think Diamante's been great, but he's, you know, getting on. Uh, in 8th, in eighth, Perth, uh, seventh, Western Sydney. Sorry, in sorry, in else? Uh, sorry, have you forgotten we, a team? No, no, I have. It's just in a different order. Uh, Western, so I'll go Western Sydney, Adelaide. That that's to miss the finals. In sixth place, uh, Macarthur. Fifth, Brisbane Raw. Fourth, Melbourne Victory. Third, Wellington. Second, Sydney FC. And I think that Melbourne City will be the premiers. Scott. I also have Newcastle in 12th place. I just, as I said earlier in our season preview, from they're a mess. They've got no permanent coast. They've got no new additions. They're 12th. Mariners are 11th. They've, as I said, they've got, they're lacking experience, so they're 11th. I've got Adelaide in 10th. I have, I've seen a couple of their recruits. They look decent, but I just don't think there's enough about them this year to be any higher than that. West Sydney are in 9th. I just, again, I'm not sold on Western Sydney being a stronger proposition. I have to, they've been around this level for four years now, James. I've got to see them take that step forward. Before I believe it, I have Perth in eighth place. I just think they're too Castro-reliant. And Western United in seventh, I agree with what Adam said. They are ageing, but the quality of those ageing players, I think, will have them in and around the mix, but just missing out. Sixth, I've got Wellington. I've got Wellington making a big run late. I think this bubble, which we've been heard about over the weekend, James, where they'll hopefully be playing games back in Wellington by March, I think that will spur them on to be back in the top six. I've got Victory in fifth. Brisbane top four once again. I've got them finishing in fourth place. MacArthur, the new boys, I've got third. I just, I think their squad's that good that 
they will be right up there. I got Melbourne City in second, and Sydney FC unfortunately with another Premier's play. I just think they're the best side, James. Okay, all right. I have taken a slightly different tack for this ladder. Um, in equal fourteenth place, I've got Newcastle and Central Coast. <laughs> <laughs> like just just toss a coin. Um, then I've got Daylight in thirteenth, twelfth, and eleventh. Tenth place, I've got Adelaide. If I had known could have this license. Could... <laughs> uh, ninth place, I've got MacArthur. I they do have a very talented, experienced squad, but I feel like this league is going to start trending towards the young players as well, and I'm not quite sure they're going to have the legs to keep up with some of the other younger, more exciting uh, players. Perth in eighth, as you said, younger players. Diego Castro just doesn't do the work. Um, seventh, Western United, another aging team that. Look, still has Diamante to pull him out of a hole, but I think he can only do so much. Sixth place, Western Sydney. I really like Carl Robinson, and I think he's going to take this uh, team into the finals. Fifth place, Melbourne Victory. So an improvement from Grant, Grant Brebner. Yep. Uh, fourth place, Brisbane Raw. He's going to finish in the same spot on the ladder that we saw last season. However, I, well, it's the same spot as they were on the ladder last season, but I think it's going to be a marked improvement on the pitch. I think they're going to be a very exciting team to watch. Third place, Sydney FC, because they're Sydney. And look, let's be honest, they'll roll out of bed and still probably find a way to finish top three. Second place, Wellington. I think they're going to be... Like, they're going to really generate a lot of excitement as well. Obviously playing out of Wollongong early and then hopefully being able to get home and get crowds behind them. And therefore, the Premiers, I have Melbourne City. I think they're... Yeah, their recruiting is looking very, very good. So that's my... Ow, I just hit my elbow <laughs> on a chair. Um, that's where I'm landing on the A-League ladder. And and just for the record, everyone, by the time we put our graphic out for our ladder predictions, James will choose between Newcastle and Central Coast for, for 12th place. I will have Central Coast last on goal difference. Okay. And head-to-head -head and goals scored and whatever else you want to... Whatever other tiebreaker. That's all we need. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we can hold your feet to the fire over, that's all. That's something then. And also, as a special uh, improvement this season as well, improvement to our coverage, we're actually going to be voting every week on a A and W League Brisbane Raw Player of the Season. So I think the plan that we've kind of settled on is the three of us are going to do 3-2-1 votes every week. Uh, three, uh, Obviously three points for the best, two for the second best, and one for the consolation prize. I really hope the Raw actually play well enough to warrant three players getting votes every week, which, based on our predictions, I think they will. Overall, um, yeah, and then we're going to release one person's vote each week, so one of us will... Uh, you'll find out one of our votes in round one, another one, round two, one, round three, etc., etc. Yes, each week, one of the three of us reveals our three, two, one. Yes, there we go. That's a much more concise way to describe it. And you'll be able to find out uh, those first votes that get released. Uh, December 28th, the W League season opener as Brisbane visit Newcastle at the number two sports ground. Whatever that is. Yes. <laughs> it's a big big field, of big group of fields. It's the second one of them. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. it's next to field one. That's what, I just assume that's what it yes. is. That's mm -hmm. all you can assume from the name. And December 29th, Tuesday evening, 6pm. It's the week between Christmas and New Year. So hopefully uh, everyone who's not busy working can make out, make it out to Dolphin Stadium for Brisbane's first game against the Wellingong Knicks. I'm actually really looking forward to getting out there for that game. Hopefully the rain is cleared by then because 
Well, it hasn't been pleasant the last few days, has it? It's football in Brisbane. It's going to rain. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is very, very true. And if you saw, if you saw the uh, Hearts from State v State, that could be what we're in for. Yes, and if you go to about the 25th minute of the uh, women's match, you can hear the camera uh, operators screaming as the rain just starts getting blown <laughs> onto their backs. <laughs> Look, as I said, more power to the double-take camera operators because yeah. they put up with a lot of rubbish weather. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. It, they, they do a very good job. So, yeah, I think that's everything we need to get through for our Monster Season Preview. If you have listened to us in one sitting... Phenomenal effort, yes. Let us know if you have. Yes, and uh, we'll say well done in the response. That's pretty much all we can really offer at the moment. But yeah, stay tuned to the social channels. Uh, Raw Review on Facebook, Brisbane uh, at BNE Football on Twitter. Uh, live coverage of all the matches, news and updates as they get released as well. And yeah, we'll be back with another podcast in a couple of weeks. I think this is going... We're not going to have anything more between now and Christmas. So I will say to both of you, Scott and Adam, have a very Merry Christmas yeah. and we're looking forward to the season getting underway. Same to you, James. Yeah, Merry Christmas, gentlemen. And yes, Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Probably Thank have for one more show on the 30th, probably after the... We'll pencil it in. Yeah. Otherwise, yes, everyone have a very Merry Christmas and uh, get out and enjoy the football when it gets underway. We'll talk to you after round one of both competitions. This has been the Brisbane Football Review Season Preview. We'll talk to you later.